Dope. Yeah, man, totally. Oh, man, I just great. found out the other day that um, you know that there movie Parasite that won like yeah, yeah, fucking Oscar. That was edited on a ten-year-old copy of Final Cut Pro Seven. <sighs> yeah, and and the Sexy. little caption with that was um, <laughs> it's never been about the prog- the tools. It's all been about the storytelling. Yeah. And that blew my fucking mind. It's like, damn, I don't know anyone who cuts on Final Cut Seven anymore. I know, I know someone who cut a feature film on Final Cut Seven. Right, damn. just bring that mic a bit closer to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know someone who cut a feature film on Final Cut Seven without hotkeys on a trackpad. Without hotkeys on a trackpad. What a fucking masochist! Like, <laughs> was it a punishment? <laughs> yeah, but then they they because they put out a um a, an APB if you like on the internet going I need help something the, the computer froze yeah and it managed to do with their file management if they're using a trackpad right <laughs> so, a trackpad a trackpad yes a trackpad Dude, I should not I tried to edit on a laptop recently I was I was trying to do and teach an iMovie workshop mm. and so I'm I'm trying to edit on this trackpad in iMovie. And I'm like, I can't believe this is how I learned to edit. Like, it drove me insane. It's yeah. like, I don't have enough room to move. It, I can't fucking handle it, bro. I, I, need, I need a certain size screen or I won't edit. And if I don't have my magic mouse so I can just swipe through things, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I will go insane. Lateral scrolling, man. Lateral scrolling is fucking everything. I would rather you stuck a knife into my throat and just, <laughs> just ripped out my organs one by one. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah, I'm um, no, not I have a fan. A, I have a, I'm a, a big fan. standard when it comes to video editing, and it's uh, you don't fuck with my workflow. Do not fuck with my workflow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true, true story, actually. This one time, um, it was just after New Year's. This one time, editing? Yeah, this one time. Well, it, it, I was about to edit. Yeah. I, I got to work, and um, I look at my keyboard, mm. and it's a, it's a wireless Apple keyboard, and it's... Not supposed to be. It, yeah. I, I like the wired one because you get the extra numbers on the side, which means like, which is what I map all my shortcuts to, my custom mm-hmm. shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where the hell is my keyboard? Mm-hmm. And I go to my boss. I'm like, where's my keyboard? And he goes, surprise, we got you a new computer. And I'm like, I want my old computer. He's like, no, but this one's better. It's like, no, but I need my keyboard. And I, I, I went on a, I went on a freaking. I had to figure out where the IT place was. I went on this long journey. I spent half a day trying to track down my specific computer mm. just so I can get my specific keyboard. I could have had any other keyboard, admittedly, but I wanted my keyboard. And and when I got oh, it back, dude. I was like, never leave me again. <laughs> Key- keyboards are really important uh, for editing, um, especially having a number pad. Mm. A lot of people don't know that. You need a number pad for the hotkey variations. And um, you know, I like the longer keyboard, but I like the... Um, uh, ones without a cable though, the cordless. I like a Look, wireless keyboard, but I've got it like I've got a slick one though. I've got it like the Mac Pro. What do you call it? The yeah, no, it's a Mac Pro keyboard. That one. Um, it's right. very, very pricey, but it drives like a Lamborghini. Yeah, it's it's fucking amazing. It's, it's important, man. It's important. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I do remember having back in the day, I would use my um wireless one and then I'd watch like a if I had a long edit, mm. I would like go to my bed, watch it from across the room, and I could just play pause from that and that was pretty cool because i could just carry the keyboard around with me dude um i had this very experience at um uh, doing a gig for a big shout out to apdg we did a um a uh, event for them and i had to do content testing in a cinema and i had a wireless mac keyboard with me going next track you know and uh scrolling through tracks and i had the control of a four-story like screen through a mac keyboard it was super exciting and i'm so nerding out on that i know I've What's up? What have you lost? I've lost my phone. I don't know where it is. Do you want me to call you? 
Let's um, do it on air. Let's do it right. Let's, okay, see, let's, see, let's see what happens. I was thinking like, oh, I can pull something out my phone. It's like, I have no idea where my phone is. Let's see if it's possible. I bet uh, I left it on the bathroom. Uh, this is great content. What a great start yeah, to Great start to a show. Where's my phone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the problem. I guess, I don't know if it's a millennial thing or what, but like, if I don't have it by me, I will have anxiety. <laughs> I know no one's going to steal it, but... I'm ringing. I bet it's in the box. All right. I'll be back. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll chat amongst ourselves. <laughs> there, I'm still ringing it. There we go. Still ringing. The Mystery of Matt's Phone by uh, Ross Page. There it is. I got you on the air. <laughs> All right. There you go, man. Now, you make sure you shut that door there. Shut the door. Yeah, no, I've, I've hung up in case we get a feedback. Don't want to get a feedback. All right. Hello, uh, Dick Insurance Incorporated. <laughs> Matt speaking. <laughs> The Marshall McLuhan, though, man. The Marshall McLuhan, the extended um, uh, body. Let's make sure you're in the good spot. Move you a bit. Move yourself a bit over, man. You've, you've got out. You've ventured away. Go to the towards the corner. There you go. Yeah. Ooh. There you go. Bring that sucker with you. Whack it under your. Whack it under your, your chin. I'd like to. A fist away. I'd like to thank you for uh, letting me be a part of the worst episode yet. You pagey train. Oh, dude, I don't know about that. I've had some train wrecks on the pagey train. I tell you that. Really? And I th- no, but it's mainly me. I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm definitely the problem. Like, um, I, there's one recently I blacked out on. Man, totally. Fuck. I don't re- like. I, you don't know As that. As in, I am. you drank too much, or? Yeah, I don't remember doing the episode, but <laughs> I, I, like, because I go back and I, sc- you know, scrub the this um the episode. Yeah. Because yeah. I put all you know um the graphics on it for the the tail and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't remember that hour at all. <laughs> yeah, at all. It's gone. And, um, but I had, my guest brought Prosecco. And so we started drinking champagne on the show. And I only had four drinks. Yeah. But I had a vodka, a beer, and a Prosecco. That's the problem. You mixed them. Within, like, 20 minutes. Okay. And then I'm just in the black zone. Like, fucking <laughs> In whatever. the sunken place. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, uh, big shout out to Jay. He was uh, producing for me that night. Thank fuck. Because uh, I, I just took off and went to bed, apparently. I did, I did the promo shots and I was fucking gone. Laters. <laughs> Love it, love it. Yeah, no, um, yeah. So if it's ever a train wreck, it's it's definitely me, man. It's definitely me. <laughs> my 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 problem is um, so nowadays with with our podcast upcoming attractions, check us out. Pew pew. Um, mm-hmm. so a big part of our workflow is uh, our, our TikTok. So mm. after every episode, never used to do this midnight double feature, but with mm. upcoming attractions, after every episode, I rewatch the whole thing mm-hmm. to pick out the highlights, which I then then spent long time editing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hear myself a lot. And I hear, oh no, I say um way too much. I'm an ummer. I, I'm a rude cunt. Like apparently I just interrupt everybody nonstop. And I go to myself. You do do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, nah. Really. But um, really nah, I'll say to myself, okay, I'm not going to do that next episode. And the next episode will come around. I edit that. I'm like, fucking hell, I'm doing it again. I'm <laughs> I'm so rude. Like I, I don't mean to be rude, but it's like, I think I just get so excited and I'm so passionate. Yeah, man. Well, the podcasting yeah. is an art. You'd, you would have felt this when you started getting into it. Like there's a bit of a, I think I had a bit of a, um, a surprise when I started um, podcasting and I, I realized that it's an art within itself, right? We're locked in. Um, we, it's just me and you having this conversation. We're probably going to go deeper into things that we normally wouldn't. There's no one interrupting us in the pub because we probably have this conversation in a pub, right? Yeah. Um, normally. Um, uh, there's no one interrupting us. There's the passing of the ball so i throw you you know i've got the ball at the moment right mm. and i'm going to throw you the ball at some point and there's visual and um, it's improv 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're riffing, right? But we've got an idea what we're talking about. We're going to do a bit of promo and we're going to talk about current events maybe or just like crazy shit that's happened to us. And we're going to go between these spaces and we're going to hand that ball around. And I think you just get excited like a kitten does with the ball. Totally. You just want the ball. I I totally get that. It's um, it's a performative, it's a performative art Mm. podcasting. Totally. Uh, Dude, I did a podcast last week. Um, uh, and oh my god, uh, I probably have some clips up online for it. But um, what's the name of it? Uh that's the. Pr- I'm trying to <laughs> it's uh, finding finding gratitude. I believe it's called. Okay. Um, it's by my mate Miguel. Uh, runs it. It's amazing. Oh yeah, setup. I know Miguel. He, I yeah, no, yeah. yeah. So he um, uh, yeah, he he shoots it on a red, as a wide, and then he's got two I think black magics, um, crossing over. So mm. it's a three camera setup. It's amazing setup, and um, with his podcast uh. Dude, it's dope, but I can't. I can't believe how fucking emotional it got. Mm. We just started talking. I started talking about how I was suicidal when I was young. Shit, man. Yeah. I was talking about, um, you know, I, you know, I've had a lot of health issues lately. I was yeah. in hospital for like a month. Yeah, and, man. Um, like, I just must say, it's good to have you about, man. Like, um, you had us all <laughs> worried, man, and uh, we're all out there in the background, um, sending you love, man, sending you love and respect because we love you. you, Maddie. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah, it's, it's funny actually. If, if um, people want to join the Matt Vella Cinematic Universe, um, <laughs> if you listen to that episode and then listen to this, this this could work as a part two because I have an update. So in that episode <laughs> of that podcast, I was talking about how the Matthew next C. day, Bella, the Weaver. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about how oh, I had a I had a, um, a scan coming up. Then I had to interview a uh, see have a conversation with a surgeon mm. who now I spoke to just the other day and. They've booked me in for a very, very, very minor keyhole surgery mm-hmm. in September. Yep. Um, but the the maybe bad news is there might be a second one. Yeah. Um, it might not be an op- it may not be like a surgery thing. It might just be like a little operation thingy. But I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, guys. Don't oh, yeah. worry about me. I'm I'm good. I'm looking good. You look I, fantastic, I lo- man. I like this. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I, I like to say that God is apologizing to me for fucking me over. He's like, dude, I know, I know. I'm sorry. You mm. you went through all that shit. I'll make you lose a couple kilos. I'm like, all right. You know, what? I'm not so mad. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, that's the silver lining, man. You got to look at the silver lining, right? You know, um, it's the same like you know the uh, you know like the c word, COVID, man. We went through this torment, you know, tormenting thing in society, but there's been a silver lining for it. Uh, especially for guys like me and you, we've been quite agile in that space. Oh. Um, and, you know, and during a tragic time, you know, you got to look at the you got to look at the positive. Um, lost all of our funding, but we gained all that time. You know, and and and, and some of us have used that time. You've built a podcast, uh, and and these things are built because of the time that you've had. I'm really sorry for the people who suffered during COVID. Totally. But my life has improved as it a result. Has. Same, same. My job is better now. I get to work from home a lot more. Um, I get to use that time as well to just, you know, without the commute, I can work on my creative stuff more mm. and it's just so much easier. Oh, to, my mental to health me. is better. My mental yeah? health is better because I'm getting more sleep and I'm not spending like, you know, um, 30 hours a week commuting. Oh my God. That's or, so good. Or 15 hours a week commuting, you know? That's so good, man. I would say, um, I know my mental health got mm. pretty shit at one point during COVID, just staying locked at home all the time. Yeah, cabin but, fever. Yeah, but now cabin fever exactly. Yeah, yeah. But now I've experienced that a few times in my life. Yeah, it got better <laughs> over time. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's it, it does it it is like that though, man. You got to look at the silver lining. 
Um, and that silver lining is, you know, you've gone through this experience. Now you've gone through this scare. But he, he, he's sitting doing like, you know, podcasts every week at the moment, man, you know. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, and your own podcast. What's the name of your podcast uh, again? Upcoming Attractions. <laughs> Check it out, kids. Yeah. Upcoming Attractions. Talk about the latest movies and trailers and all that fun stuff. Yeah, man. Um, but it's yeah, like, like I was saying before, like it, it is an art, man. And it's it takes time. And uh, what I've learned through um, podcasting is to shorten the amount of time it takes to make it. Mm. Um, you want because as you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, man. A lot of work goes into it, and um, you you know you, you've got to shoot the thing, edit the thing, publish the thing. Like um, I, like I was saying to you before, like you know um, you know it took me up to six hours to do a podcast. Uh, get that time down. I can do three hours of the pager train in less than four hours. Yeah. Uh, which is triple the um, uh, duration and, you know, uh, a third of the time. So, yeah, man, um, it does take a lot of work, but I, I do enjoy it. This is like episode, what, 118? Yeah. 118, deep into the pagey train. And I'm glad it's my third time on. Uh, but this every is your third t- time? I think so, but every time it's been a completely different setup. See, first time... <laughs> the evolution. Yeah, I was I was one of your first guests. I think it was episode two or something. Mm. Thank you for bringing me on so early. Um, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Then um, start of COVID, so we did one via Zoom. Yeah, love now, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know all about that. Yeah, and then, everyone um, loves Zoom. And then now I'm back here. Now you've got a uh, live vision, vision switching. Yeah. You've got. Well, I'm switching myself. Here we go. Things, like, yeah. This is me right now, hey. right? There's hey, 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 hey. And what hey. I like about this is, you know, before we're talking about interrupting and stuff, like mm. when I see you switch, I'm like, oh, okay, it's not my turn to talk anymore. Ah. <laughs> this is, I'm finding this helpful right now. Oh, really? It's a cue. I didn't look at that. Like, see, I get worried about the screen, well, just for the listeners at home and um, our other viewers. Um, I've got a screen at the back here. Um, it's over here that the guest can see, right? And uh, that's anything I pull up on the internet. But because when I edit myself, I can actually see me on the screen and the <laughs> guests can see themselves on the screen. I was always self-conscious because you can see yourself, right? Yeah. I'm self-conscious that the guests will look at themselves too much. Yeah. I know I'm doing that right now, but yeah. I think I'm lucky because your face is close enough to the screen that hopefully with this angle, people won't tell. They won't tell, but, I, but you notice me trying to draw you in. Draw you <laughs> away. It's a problem. This one time I was doing a shoot uh, with old mate uh, uh, Adam Mc, McPhilman. Yeah, uh, yeah, big shout out. He's a great dude. Yeah, um, we did, I did a shoot with him and because um, I, was, I was directing and starring in it. Mm. So And he had like a monitor and he put it behind the actor that I was like, uh, doing the scene with mm. and at one point I just see him he walks up and he just starts moving the monitor away I'm like oh what's wrong he goes you won't stop looking at yourself I'm like damn it you noticed yeah because you do you just it's so do distracting it. yeah but you just do it automatically yeah. just, especially if you're doing like you know you do stand up comedy yeah um, you uh, act on screen in direct movies and write movies man like you 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 look at images all the time and to see an image of yourself you're like you're now you're seeing yourself in that context. So yeah. it's hard not to see yourself. Yeah. And and also I'm the type of guy who like, I'm, if I'm filming, I'm editing in my head at the same time, you yeah. know? And if I'm doing like stand up as well, I'll, I'm editing the jokes. Like, it's like, oh, I fucked up there. So what I'll do is like, I'll, or even on a podcast, I will restart the joke or I'll restart my sentence because I know mm. later when if I'm going to edit this, I'm going to cut that bit out. So I'll edit myself in real time in front of people. Mm. And when I do the podcast, my, my co-host, uh, Jesse and Adrian, like, they'll, they'll know I'm doing it. Mm. They'll say, oh, he's doing a TikTok because cause they'll see me. I'm like, I'll restart the sentence mm. and I'll start 
performing it more. And that's because I know the last part was shit, but if I do a take two live on air, mm. that's the part I use. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing uh, you can do that, yeah, because there's different styles of podcasting, right? Because what you're talking about is capturing moments mm. and then editing them together in a narrative space, right? Because yeah. it's kind of, that's the style, right? Um, this, this kind of podcast, it's, you know, I'm editing live and yeah. we're in the moment, um, you know, and it's very rare that I go back and take a snippet out. Mm. In fact, what I do is I go take snippets and I go put them on the internet. But when you do it too, you do it in completion. Like yeah. you, don't, you don't go in, you don't start taking things out. You don't take out the arms and stuff. I, no. I know some people, they'll, uh, no, I leave it raw. they'll get rid of, they'll go in and it, but the rawness is part of the appeal. Like mm. I think that's it's one authentic, of the things, man. Yeah. That's one of the things Joe Rogan, I think. Yeah, the I know king, he pioneered the, it. the king, king of podcasting. I, I don't know if he's the pioneer of it, but he was always very big on in his early days before Spotify came along. What he would do, because mm. I started listening to him in 2012. I started listening to him after I started the podcast. <laughs> I'm under a rock band. See, I, I assumed you were inspired by him because you have no. a very similar vibe. And I don't. And I, I am. In, here's the weird thing. I I am inspired by Joe Rogan, but not because he's a podcaster. I'm inspired because he um, it handles hecklers the best. Yeah, he's good. He's really good. Oh, you know, there's other hecklers that uh, are out, that, you know, heckler handlers, if you like. Yeah. But the way he handles hecklers is ferocious. He's good. He is so, He goes straight for the jugular. I, I love him as a podcast. I don't really give much of a care I about I love his UFC. scientific stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love that, his that's how I got stuff. into him, too. Um, yeah. Uh, especially about geology and, and the, the you know, um, uh, cosmology, this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mind his... Comedy. Um, he's not my favorite comedian, but I, I do. He's like not my favorite him. comedian. I like. I do, I do like him though. But yeah, um, I got into him. Yeah, like way back. I started listening to podcasts. Like I actually had a podcast in twenty twelve or thirteen. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't last very long, but you know it was a very different landscape then. Mm. You had to download episodes to was, like your MP three player. It was you that shit. got me into podcasting, dude. It was you that got me into it. You're welcome, homie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I remember talking to you about it, and like because I was listening to your podcast, and um, you're like. Uh, dude, uh, I'm pretty sure you recommended that I should do one. You go, dude, you should do a podcast. And I, you know, it was months later uh, that I've gone, <laughs> yeah, I should do a podcast. Because well, you, you talk to people in pubs, they go, we should record this conversation. Yeah. It's been happening all my life. Well, now the problem is the oversaturation, right? Um, but the, yeah, sticking out, yeah. yeah. I think, though, the... What I was going to say before with him... Growing, with, it's, yeah, it's, oh, growing, it's growing, it's <laughs> growing. And you deserve it, man. You deserve it. Um, the, the thing is with a lot of content creation mm. and podcasts is one of them is the key is consistency. You yeah. just got to keep doing it. Got to, the less time you take off, the better. And it's going to not stop. The problem with a lot of creatives is they won't see any traction with whatever field they do and then they just stop. Mm. Be the, the problem is, is like all the people we see going hard out, took them years to get. Joe Rogan's been podcasting for like 20 no, years or some shit. No, you know? over a decade, yeah. yeah so de he's, way over he's, a he's approaching like 2,000 episodes, yeah. man. And, which is um, insane. Most of them are three hours. Yeah, it so, is insane. And, um, but yeah, like, oh, fuck, man. What's well, so that? That's like 12,000, almost 12,000 <laughs> bloody hours of content. I saw something. The other, oh, sorry. I'll finish my point about Joe Rogan. The point I brought him up was what he used to do before he was brought on by Spotify. He used to do ads, right? Mm -hmm. Which still sort of does them now, but the way he used to do them, he would be like, fuck the copy. If you tell me what to say, I won't do the ad. Mm. Instead, I will just talk at the start of the episode for as long as I want. Yeah, yeah. And that used yeah, to I piss me that. off. Yeah, it yeah. used to go for half an hour sometimes or yeah, 20 used minutes. To shit me as well. He'd yeah. be like, uh, me undies, uh, let's talk about underwear. And it's like 20 minutes of fuck. So I would always skip the first half hour of an episode because he would just be ranting on about. 
this product and <laughs> and he would be doing sort of improv about it and stuff and it's like i appreciate you being authentic but it's like i'm not here for the sponsorship mm. you know but like um uh what i was going to say about content creation stuff mm. and what's good about the podcast and what i think i've noticed is working for you mm-hmm. is so the the trick is you need a product mm. that you can just pump out consistently. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's a, a how you talent grow. pool. It's like, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're watching, I don't know, some show on TV, fucking, I don't know, maybe it's Rick and Morty, could be fucking Neighbours. Well, not Neighbours anymore, they're gone, but whatever, right? I love you, Rick and Morty and yeah, Neighbours. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that crossover, that Rick and Morty Neighbours crossover. Nor- yeah, yeah. Yeah, where Harold <laughs> Mitchell fucking takes over the world, man. Uh, fuck. But whatever it is, you know what day it's going to come out. You know the time. And yeah. so you keep showing up. Mm. When it stops showing up, you stop watching. Mm. And that's the problem with... Oh, the that happens, man. Yeah. Like when I go on break. Actually, it's weird. The audience changes when you go on break. Because mm. I go, I take a three-month break from the pager train every year. Um, so I stop. Yeah. Um, but you the- come back. That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. And I tell people, hey, look, I'm taking I'm taking the summer off. It's, it's you know, it's it's Roscoe's time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want my Fridays back. Because, um, you know, I work full-time and I run, you know, run the, yeah. you know, I run it's a, a job. Business. It's a job. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job, totally. It's um, a full-time job that doesn't pay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm starting to get paid for it here oh, and there. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, here and there I get paid. Happy. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you off air about yeah. that. <laughs> so, a good few, man. Okay, good. I can give you some. I'll give you uh, some uh, a good good information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, monetizing it's you know that's wonderful. But um, I do it, man, because I um, get to talk to all of my mates. I get to make um, new connections. Like so much has happened out of the pager train for me. Like, Dude, um, it's so great to network. Yeah, um, um, I got, I've gotten voiceover gigs, acting roles. Um, uh, uh, shooting roles, yeah. um, stream, you know, streaming gigs. Like I, I get know, so many gigs yeah. out of it, man. I really uh, do. Rachel from. So I make de facto money out of it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Nah, Is that good. a word? Can I say de facto money? Is that right? Fuck it. You can now. <laughs> yeah, I've just made it up. And it's now true. <laughs> I, I've I've noticed uh, Rachel. Her podcast don't be so dramatic. Um, yes. Who I did. Nobody likes camping with. Um, Big shout out, yeah, yeah. Check you can find her on the uh, Pagey Train uh, um, uh, landing page on YouTube. So she's one of my recommenders. Ah, cool, yeah, yeah. cool. So um, are you actually on? Um, oh, thank you. Midnight, uh, midnight double feature. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm not with them anymore. Uh, well, 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 uh, X day on, on the yeah. double feature. Well, well te- <laughs> technically, my new podcast is spin off of them, so there's some sort of branding connection, but mm-hmm. you know. It's it's all the same shit. I'll um, make sure I recommend a new yeah. one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, shots fired. Nah, nah. Um, yeah, but like with her, like I could, you can clearly see if you've been following her mm. how her podcast has affected her career. Like her podcast has a, uh, she was picked up by like a podcasting management agency. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And they're getting bigger guests on and stuff, and you can it's just a great see title. Why so dramatic, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a great title and um, great content. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like when back when we. I was interviewing people for uh, for at midnight double feature. I want to bring interviews back to upcoming attractions. Just finding the time. I didn't edit them back then. Mm. This one I do. So now it's like I got less time. But oh man, some of the people I interviewed, I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to these people. Like, mm. I was. I spoke. To, who did I speak to? I had um, the writer of Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's insane. Because um, I don't think he does many interviews. I can't believe you fucking want to speak to me. Mm. There was these guys that did a Nicolas Cage movie called. Mm. Um, fuck was it called the one about teddy bears attacking him uh whatever it is new it's new it came out a few years ago it's on stand at the moment okay um and then like some some, these guys did a mel gibson movie called fat man and 
Okay. And I did, I did a hard I'm living under a rock people. again. I've heard of none of these yeah. films. <laughs> a, a lot of them, the way you get them is... Um, oh, here's a good one. I did the... The guy did Home Alone 3 and... Um, I, I got him and he did a Scooby-Doo okay. movie. He directed the Scooby-Doo movies. I interviewed that guy too. Yeah, no, I think the, I, heard, I heard that one. But the way you get them, right? Well, one, COVID helped because they'd know where to go. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's like, yeah, you get people who are attached to big projects, mm. but they're trying to promote something that's not as big. Maybe it's outside the, the circle. And mm. That's the way I look at it now. Like if I want to try and headhunt a actor or something, mm. I'll go, okay, I'm not going to get Chris Hemsworth right now. Right? He's too famous. That'd be mad. Like, your be numbers cool. would go straight up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd be made. But It'd make want, I know, right? Yeah, but totally if, make you. But now, if I want to direct a movie and I need a star, or if I want to do a podcast mm. and I need an interviewer, I'll go, okay, who used to be famous? Mm. Or who doesn't have an agent at the moment? Yeah, I'll go for those ones. Or, or which comedian is not currently on tour? Or which, um, you know, which actor, you know, may or, or actor or filmmaker... You know, normally there's big studio movies, but currently they're trying to promote this passion mm. project, which is an indie project, so they don't have the big they're budget. My favorite projects. Ones. They're yeah. my favorite projects to talk about because it's yeah. all about passion. It is. It is. And then they're going to be more passionate. But the thing is, is like the movie studios aren't going to throw them as much big box and do the promotion for them. Nah, the so cut when the you head the teeth them, is always pain, yeah. and that, that usually hits you in the wallet and you and you and you and you yeah. watch. You yeah. Know? But then when you reach out to them, so normally they'd probably say no. Maybe because Disney's telling them don't take interviews. Or maybe it's because it's not part of their PR plan. Oh, in, oh dude, embargo, them, embargo. Yeah. I come across embargo all the time. Oh, and bro. you get to something exciting, they go, can't talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> when, when I did my very first podcast, um, I was part of a website called capsulecomputers.com. I think they're still around. That's one of the nerdiest um, things I've heard this week. It's pretty fucking nerdy. <laughs> I, I got paid to review video games. And, and movies and what's really cool is they'll take me on these press events right so like oh the new Call of Duty's coming out they, they'll get us and a bunch of reviewers and mm. stuff they'll take us to like this bar they've rented out have all these props and and they just start giving me free booze and stuff like play our game if you want to give us a good review that's a plus but mm. you also play our game and stuff and um, sometimes they'll do like movie stuff as well and um I forgot the point of the story. <laughs> the point of the story was um, about doing podcasting and you uh, were doing game reviews. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the way we try and get guests on the yes, podcast right. and stuff too or or um, do interviews and stuff, it would it'd also be like, yeah, you got to get the the passion projects and stuff sometimes. Mm. It's really great when you have those events and like the they're there for... Well, sorry. Well, um, we're, we're, we are 20 minutes in. It's, a, it's average. It's smart. average, bro. It's Happens average. Through 20 minutes, yeah. yeah average. <laughs> nah. Best is eight seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so those events are amazing because they're there for promotional purposes. That's when you can snag an interview. Um, I can't believe... I had some really shittily filmed interviews on YouTube from 2010 or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, wow. Um, now, you, now we're going back. That was, uh, that was when you were a lot younger and I was a little bit younger. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. It was probably a bit after. It was probably 2011, 2012. Because that's when I started, because my boss was like, let's do a podcast. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck's a podcast? So then I started looking for other podcasts yeah. so I could figure out what it was. And at the time, it was very hard to find him, but I, I found yeah, Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. Tom Green had one back then. Yeah, Tom Green was boss, man. He was pretty boss. I love Tom Green. Well, do you know do you know how he had, used to have a web show? Um, and what he used to do is he basically, because the internet wasn't what it is now. He, well, he, was, he had a proto YouTube, man. Yeah, he had a proto YouTube. He built a television studio in his house. Yeah, I know what and that's like. I forget what it's called, <laughs> but like he had cables running through the kitchen. He had all this yeah, shit. Yeah, he, he had a server room and yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. And he's always been crazy. Like nowadays, I think he lives off the grid and stuff. He's he's insane. Yeah, he lives out of a van um, and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
and Wish um, I could live out of a van and yeah, have man. a million dollars in the bank and go, I'm just <laughs> doing it for fun. <laughs> Dude, the things I think is like, I mean, if I just had like infinity dollars and I didn't have to work, you know what fucking cool yeah, but, shit I could be doing? Yeah, but here's the thing, man. Here's the thing, right? Here we are. Um, we are grassroots dudes that are like um, in the fringe of everything, like, um, you know, uh, from heavy metal to um, acting in short films, man. You know, we're out here doing these things and we're writing movies and, you know, um, you know, um, you know, uh, kissing corporate's ass, collecting money out of uh, certain industries here and there. Just yeah. we, we got our fingers fucking everywhere to turn a dollar just so that we can do what we want to do. So many fingers and so many pies. So many fucking pies. Not <laughs> enough fingers and not enough pies. Like we are fucking <laughs> everywhere, dude. Like I run into you all the time indirectly. Yeah. And, and I run into you directly all the time. Like, Same. Yeah. You know, uh, like from meeting you in a hallway at fucking university, man, to, you know, shooting, you know, having a, uh, shooting a film or being, you know, uh, directing a film or whatever it is, man, or promoting each other's work or fucking anything like that, man. Um, it's always been there. I run into guys like us all the time. Um, but there's just, they are far and few between. Like, yeah. just watch the pager train. You'll meet them. They're every. I can't. Oh, yeah. I don't have enough time to get everyone on. <laughs> uh, I wish I could do this twice a week because I could. There's enough people out there to do it. It's just availability and time. Like you're talking about getting guests before, right? Yeah. Um, fifty percent of my guests. I what I what I do is I try and encourage guests to go. When you've got to promote something, man, give me a call. And I find the ones that give me a call always have a better experience because we're yeah. both keen to do it. Um, I've broken a lot of people in into podcasting, like a lot. Um, yeah, no, they come back for the second episode and they interview a lot better. Or well, there's ones that I've interviewed on the pagey train and then I've seen them do an interview on the ABC or SBS or Channel 10 or um, on, on some YouTube channel. And, uh, ooh, R2-D2, settle oh. down. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I see them interview on TV or, you know, in a, in a, you know on a bigger platform. And you see them do really well and you go, oh man, it's great that we had an influence in that because yeah. we're the grassroots people. Um, but there is that inkling that at some point, Matt, we need to keep working to break through. For and, sure. And then I think, man, one of my most proudest moments was when one of my mates made a movie that was over an AMC uh, playing in New York and he was getting on a plane so to go good. and watch that movie, right? Fuck yeah. That was mad. And I remember... Giving you advice, what? saying record your. Oh wait, experience. you're talking about me? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. It's like wait, AMC. Oh wait, I had a film that played AMC theater. Wait, I went on a plane. Hang on, I had a conversation with Ross about this. Oh shit, it's, it's me. It's you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, oh, bleeding fuck. backs, man. You know, you went to uh, you went to AMC in New York, yeah. and um, I remember that, saying that to you, man, fucking record your experience, man. And um, we, we had discussions about the edit of that film. Uh, that <laughs> Your film, promo. But, I've um, so much. Since then. Yeah. But that's... But that's since then, right? Dude, yeah. Think about that. Um, but, um, uh, you know, to go straight to the point, though... Um, she's not your type. Um, you're releasing sh- uh, that soon. One of the ma- most massive reactions I've ever seen at a film festival, um, period. Um, certainly one of the biggest reactions I've seen at Made in the West, 
period Thank um you. and it was even it was even enough to get us trolls man like it, yes. if, if you're getting trolls let's talk about the trolls <laughs> if you're getting trolls man it's must be doing well because it means that you've rattled the fucking cage right i, I rattled a cage last week actually oh did you I oh know. no what have you done <laughs> what have you done matt <laughs> Um, okay, so get this. So, uh, as you know, the reason I called you today, as I think you implied, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to trying to promote sorry. the film. R2D2, seriously, bro. Bro, sorry. Uh, of all the droids and all the galaxies <laughs> oh. of all the podcasts. Nah. No, no, <laughs> no. But I just, you know, now everyone knows that my uh, message ringtone is R2D2. <laughs> and that's, you know, I feel a bit nah, bashful about that. You're, okay, you have to change it now. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do. It's gonna be C three PO. I don't even know how to do that. Oh fuck. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to promote this film because, mm. um, you know, as you know, I made it fucking ages ago, right? Yeah. When was that? Oh shit, that was straight vodka. Twenty. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Lord have mercy. Dude, I made this thing end of 2018. Yeah. Premiered it, made in the West, 2018. That's right. Oh, wow, four years ago. Yeah, way too long. And people say, why, why didn't you take so long? People just assume it's been out. And I'm like, look, I know it's dumb. It's taken so long. But first, here's my thinking, right? First, I was like, okay, I'm going to let do the festival run first. Because mm. some festivals won't take it in if it's online, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can't publish. Yeah. Just let the folks out there know you generally can't publish your work if it's a doing the festival circuit. True, true. Um, not, some festivals are more lenient than others, but mm. yeah. Uh, but Mainthewest.com.au. Go and check that out. Don't forget, uh, 15 minutes, any genre is welcome. Yes, yes. Get the plugs in. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I start entering festivals and it's doing way better than I expected. Like I've told mm. the story to you before. I thought it was going to flop at Main the West. I thought it would flop at every festival. I do. Because I thought... Um, uh, you might want to type in Velomat films there because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a common phrase. <laughs> That'd be hard. But yeah, um, yeah. so so I I thought, you know, a lot of film festivals are prestigious. You know, they all want to be fancy pants. Um, so they're not going to... It's going to be hard to to um, mm. to um do it. If you want to find a page on the website, I think that top link there. The top link? That one? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff yeah, you there. Yeah, you've got to... The new videos aren't up there, but yeah. But um, I've got a whole bunch of information about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways. So um, it just keeps doing well. And then I've sort of learned if I target film festivals that... Uh, either take a lot of comedy in or comedy based mm. it's going to do well yeah. and that was my problem with Bleeding Backs I entered it to fucking everything and in high, and I would be like why aren't they taking me in it's a good film and then I realized of course they're not going to take it if I'm up against some drama film where everybody's crying and stuff mm. those type of judges at those festivals they're going to hate my film or it's just not going to it's going to seem trashy in comparison Yeah. so I've got to get it in front of the right audience mm. and if it's in front of the right audience especially a young audience mm -hmm. or a bit of a rebellious audience this fucking kills. I get all these comments. Uh, all these people tell me like the biggest last we've ever seen at our film festival. They tell me um, they, they. I get people. It's an onslaught, it dude. It's an onslaught. I quote. I've actually quoted your film a few times. I don't. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think um, fisting, uh, being fisted like Tyson, is one that resonates with me all the time. Like, sorry to give <laughs> you a little bit away there, but yeah, holy nah, shit, good. man! It's, it's an onslaught it. of laughter, man. Fuck yeah! Thank by you. The, by the time you were laughing at the last joke, you've already been. Um, KO'd by the next joke, you know, <laughs> it's just amazing. That, that's my. That's, that's my what I mean. The audience reaction. I've got to tell you, man. I watch. I everyone's watching Made in the West. I don't watch Made in the West. I watch the audience. That's I what don't I watch, watch my films. I watch the. Audience. I watch the audience. That's how I learn to be a better filmmaker. And that's where I get a grasp on what what people are liking, what they want. 
um, because we've got, I've got to curate these films as well for the future. Mm. And I go, okay, here's, the where, here's where the zeitgeist is sort of sitting and, and these are how artists are performing in this space. And then I can then go, okay, so they're up to this and they're, proje- you know, they're progressing this way. And, yeah. it, and, it, and it just gives you an open source of um, understanding opportunity. Dude, I, I'm the same. That's how, that's you, how you, I get can better. Can you dig? You know, yeah, it's, like, it's about open sourcing opportunity. Like with Bleeding Backs, I watch the audience, watch mm. the film, and I learn a few things. For example... Most people don't know it's an action film until the first fight scene, which is like three minutes in, mm. right? So I was like, oh, people don't understand the genre. They're surprised by the fight. Mm. So now I know you've got to establish the genre way earlier. Like first 30 seconds if you can, right? Yeah. Make it really obvious. Um, and I learned like... Um, a few other things, but that was the big takeaway. Yeah, that's I got that's from the that. slow burn yeah. sort of deal. When when you're a filmmaker, you learn the the, the the devastation of a slow burn. Yeah, yeah, and because um, it works. Yeah, yeah. But then you go, but I'm not getting the hook in. But also at a film festival, like they just know the title of the film and then it plays, right? So you gotta you gotta set it up. You gotta you gotta set up the audience expectation. It is earlier. a rapid fire scenario. If, if yeah. Bleeding back start opened on a fight scene, it would do so much better. I know I know that now. There's some other things too, but like I'm still really proud of the film. It's still really good. Um, but you know, that's one of the it lessons won awards, I dude. It yeah, won yeah. Awards. thank you. Like, yeah. like I said, I must have done fucking something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but like you know, you, you learn and like um. So with she's not your type. The approach was like write it like a stand up set, pretty much, right? Mm. It's um, it's got to be joke, 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 rapid fire. But still, with that film, like I kind of only started understanding that halfway through writing the script. Mm. The second half is a lot stronger than the first half, I would say. Um, yeah. And there's there's different reasons because there was different things I was trying. I was, yeah, yeah, I was experimenting true. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the big thing with that film is I was experimenting with alternate takes, which is something we should totally get into. But um, mm. uh, with Nobody Likes Camping, completely different approach. First yeah. time working with someone else's script. Yeah. I edited it like a fuck ton. But um, what I was curious about with that process is, oh, this is more situational comedy than punchline driven comedy. Yeah. So I was like, how does this work? And admittedly, big reason why I took it on board I wanted to shoot that puke scene and it would be fucking crazy. It sounded like a fucking fun. I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to film that scene. Like even if the film's not the best, even if, even, even if that was the case, I know mm. I'm going to love that scene yeah, yeah. no matter what. So I'm like, that alone got me on board. And I think it got a lot of other people on board too. But, um, I, I watched, I only played in front of a few audiences, but I watched and it's like, okay, I'm still getting jokes, still getting laughs, but they're not as consistent. And that's because, and I've learned, I've applied this to my stand-up comedy. Mm. Is the setups to the punchlines take too long? Mm. And that's what works about she's not your type. Is if you don't laugh at this joke, in five seconds there'll be another joke for another opportunity. It's a it's a it's a numbers game. There's so many opportunities to laugh. And something like normal like came where I learned is because it's a it's it's a bit more situational, but there are less chances to earn the laugh. Mm. And so when you get the laughs, yeah, they're still earned. They're still funny. Yeah. Um, but you have a much more chance of a success rate by doing what I call the sitcom route, which is where they write like a stand-up set where it's joke, 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 joke. When I started getting stand-up comedy because I wanted to perfect my, my, my comedy stuff, I learned the same thing. Like, there's some people like they try and do these long rants, ends in a big joke, and it's like, yeah, they go, well, how come I didn't get many laughs? Well, it's because you didn't tell many jokes. Yeah, yeah you, you told a really long story that had a joke at the end exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you'll see the same thing. It's a big problem with a lot of um, uh, filmmakers getting into comedy and starting. We'll see a lot of these short films and the whole point is they lead up to one joke at the end. Mm. The whole thing's a setup, and there's only one punchline. And I was experimenting when I did with She's Not Your Time 
Dude, people fell out of their chair. Like, I shit you not. People fell out of their chair. I don't mean it as a (laughs) metaphor. People fell out of their fucking chair. It's that fucking funny. Thank you. Um, When's when's this bad boy coming out? Um, She's not your type. Is it coming out soon? Uh, Very soon. It is coming out uh, August 29. So, uh, as of recording, it's a few days away. Oh, man, I'll release this early if you want. I can release this early. Um, I'll do that for you. It's up to you. I'm going to be pretty um, full. So I've actually, I've got a full. Actually, I tell you what. I tell you what. All right, I tell you what. Let's do a little piece on the promo because we've done a little piece on that, right? Okay. So I'll do a short release of the short clip so that you can share the clip. Right, that would that's be the cool. that would be the smart way to go. That's what I've done for um, artists uh, previously. Yeah. Uh, let, music, let, especially musicians, because every time we like, I talk, I interview musicians, right? And they will come in and they go, "I've got to promote a show." I go, "Great, come on, come on yeah, the show and promote yeah. it." I release it on the Wednesday, so make sure you show up a week and a half Early, yeah. before your show. Yeah. And they always show up the week of the show. <laughs> and I figured it out because I do the same thing. Like, well, I'll give you an example. Like, when I released my EP for the band, I got married a week later, and then I went and did Made in the West. I want to go on, a, t- boy. I want to go on a tour yeah. of all this hard work that I've done all year. I want to have these experiences, and I want to stack them next to each other. So you want to do the interview, so then totally. you can do your release. It's um, but show up a week and a half earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I can promote it better. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to talk about after this about yeah, sure, uh, sure. about a release date or whatever. But um, that's what I'm doing now. I'm my goal for she's not your type, and this is going back to what I was saying before mm. um, about why it took so long. Mm. Is so um, I, after all that shit happened, I was getting ready to release it, mm. and I always said to myself, I'm going to do a press tour. I've okay. never seen a short film do this, but I'm going to treat it like it's a feature film. So, and I started preparing, then COVID happened, I thought I'd wait till later. But now I get to implement the plan I had three years ago, which is the well, She's course. Not Your Type press tour. Yeah. So what's the press tour, Matt, you say? Yeah, what is the press tour, Matt, yeah. I say? <laughs> <laughs> this is the fucking press tour. So I had in my head, step one, <laughs> step one, I'm going to get reviews. Yep. So I spent all last year sending this out to get reviews. All these reviews can be seen at my website, velamat.com. And thankfully, they're all positive. Um, or at least on the Well, I, I've seen some uh, other reviews uh, oh. uh, that were in live and feed. <laughs> we, we, we've had some comments that are pretty uh, not great. But you know what? I'm ta- Inflammatory. I'm but don't worry, I'm taking those comments. I'm going to use them to promote my film. Hijacking. Because this type of film... Let's hijack the good. hijackers. I like it. Let's love, hijack dude, the dude. hijackers. Actually, I messaged you. Uh, so, so I'll, I'll, You know this story, but I'll tell it for okay, the viewers. For the audience. Um, true story. So when Made in the uh, when when she's not your type premiered at Made in the West 2018, uh, it did really well. We won the Audience Choice Award. Great feedback. Over uh, look, I think you had the biggest percentage of the Audience Choice Award winner ever, except but, for maybe Campesino. So I think you got beat by Campesinos. Well, look, I'm Campesino is amazing. They're, so I'll, I'll no, but to be second to that, that's an honor. Even you know? yeah, yeah, no, but the, um, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. fuck, man. Like I've got goosebumps thinking about that. Like because I, I watch all this data. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you, man, like, uh, that usually votes are split. That You vote with your friends, mm. but you might have that, like, middle spread of audience that will vote for what they actually like. Well, they're the people you're trying to win over. That's right. You've got to win them over, right? But um, you won people from other people's camps, is my point. They mm. go, I'm not going to vote for my friend's film because <laughs> that one was fucking funny. Right. Well, that's, that's a true that's story, man. Honor. That's a true story. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's such an honor. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, she's not your type plays at Made in the West 2018, mm. and 
people loving it, right? I'm getting such positive feedback. I'm literally like so emotional because I went in thinking it would do bad and it did amazing. Mm. Winning the audience choice award, obviously a big deal. Uh, but one person didn't like it. Uh, we get a we get a bit of one a person, comment. One person we know of. Yeah, yeah one person <laughs> we know of uh, who, who leaves a comment um, on the Main the West Facebook page saying, um, she's not your type is the worst thing I've ever seen. Which yeah. I think is fucking hilarious. And then, and then last week, so many years later, I, I messaged you guys, the Main the West team, like, please tell me, this. I'm like, please tell me, <laughs> tell me one of you guys have a screenshot of, I've been looking everywhere for it, and it's like, I just, I need it, I need it, I want to put it on a fucking poster, I'm so, like, it is hilarious to me, and... Shout out to Jay, man. Jay comes through. He's like, oh, Jay, he got got always comes through with the goods, <laughs> like, bro. I, I got always you. comes through with the goods. Post a screenshot in. I'm like, I fucking love you, Jay. And <laughs> uh, but I've had some other shit, though, since um, uh, just the other week. Oh, yeah. Um, so part of this press tour. We're going on a, tr- a troll tour. Yeah. <laughs> troll tour. Here we go. Uh, just the other week. This is, well, this one's not so much of a troll, but I think it's funny. Mm. Um, we're, so, so part of this press tour is I'm doing as many podcasts as I can. I'm trying to appear in as many blogs as I can. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've got so many reels for TikTok and Instagram. Don't underestimate the power of the blog. They're powerful. Yeah, 100%. They really are. It's all about SEO, Google, stuff. Totally, and, man. Yeah. yeah, you get picked so, up. But whoever has an audience, I just want them to talk about this film as much as they can. Yeah. So, and I'm only one man. So, to, to make it a bit more achievable, um, some of these clips I'm editing, I'm getting people on Fiverr to edit for me. And, um, Good old Fiverr. Yeah, look, and it's look. I I got this one guy who did some amazing work. I got another guy. <laughs> I his work was so bad I had to get a refund. But my favorite guy, uh, the third guy who I paid, or I, I tried to pay actually, he comes back to me. Um, he takes it. Five days later, he gets back to me and he goes, "I'm sorry, there's too much profanity. Um, it's a bit offensive. <laughs> I don't want to do it." And I'm like. Okay, but you're appearing in my my next ad. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, and I'm just you, like, and you, I'm too offensive for five. I was like, look, no, no, no hate to that guy. I respect you. You have the right to do whatever you want. But I think it's so funny <laughs> that the language is so bad and so offensive that he refuses to it edit it. It actually works for you. I love it. it works for you. Like I had, like I once put, like um, you might remember way back when um, the Queen wore a green dress. Oh yeah, and, and people because you can like it's easy to key green. Yeah, and so people like editing different things on. Yeah, stuff. so I put the queen in a Mendoza t-shirt. Ah, <laughs> right? Love it, love it. Put it out there on the gram, and it, and it went it went fucking ballistic, man. Fuck right, yeah. but there was a thirty percent of the audience were just fucking upset. You can't talk that way about the queen. Yeah, it was like that, man. They're like, you're you're like a death metal band. We're like, we're not a death metal band. We're a conspiracy metal band. <laughs> And we're not always metal. Sometimes we're hard rock. Thank yeah, you very and much. And also, and also, it is everybody knows that the Queen loves her fucking death metal. All right, she's all there like, "Hey there, say, Urgh! she loves that fucking shit, fucking bro." Knows, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, man. The Queen is hardcore, bro. The Queen is hardcore. Um, but yeah, no, Fuck we got yeah. a lot of shit over it, and the band was like, "Going, man, we get a lot of shit about." It. I go. But it's increasing the viewership, yeah. so why do but, I care? But also, Ross... It's terrible. That alone mm-hmm. is metal as fuck. Yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, I had Monica's coming after us, man. It was hilarious. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> what could be more metal than that? A garage band in Western Sydney takes down, you know, the, the, the right-wing monarchy movement in England. It's hilarious. Dude, that is a fucking headline <laughs> if I've ever heard one. 
Fucking put that on the, the heavy metal blogs everywhere. Oh, you know? dude, it was... Alternative press should report about that shit. Every time I was hearing, like, dings and whistles on my phone, man, it was like a badge of pride. I'm like, yep, this is going off. Well, you stop reading it after a while, because it was just... It was hilarious. Then you go, I'm just exhausted. Just mm. exhausted. Um, but you, we tend to focus on the negative, but I guess because we were in a metal band, we focused on the negative in a positive way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, look, anyone who's not a metalhead probably won't understand it, but any metalhead will tell you the most positive people on the planet are metalheads. And mm. I, I was saying this to so many people who just who aren't part of that community recently. When, um, do you remember that story about uh, Travis Scott at Astroworld where all these um, people died because like you know, like they, they were trying to bring an ambulance in to... to to help someone who was dying and then people started jumping on the ambulance and yeah. washing stuff. And it's like, that would never happen in a metal show because what's... Here, what's the number one rule about mosh pits? Someone falls down, what do you do? You pick them up. You pick them up, right? Yeah, totally. But here's the thing. That etiquette does not exist to people who don't go to concerts and people who listen to pop music and rap music, they don't live at rock shows like we do. So yeah, that, they're very so similar the audiences safest, is what I understand. The safest audience you can be at is kind of a metal show. Oh, dude, um, I would say that in, in all these genres, there's uh, fanatics, right? Um, but I've had the privilege of going to multiple gigs um, of multiple genres, um, yeah. interviewing bands. Like I've interviewed like fifty bands, man, in my life. You know, yeah. that was before I was doing the podcast. You know, <laughs> I've um, interviewed heaps of bands, and and I um, learned something that was um, quite connected between them all. It's all about rebellion, right? If you listen to R and B, it's about rebellion. Metal's about rebellion. Uh, most music is about rebellion. R and B is about rebellion. Totally, man. I thought it was about fucking. Well, yeah, no, it's about it's about being fringe and it's about um, doing the taboo. Okay, uh, okay, I see that. It, it, I see it's, that. It's, yeah. an, it's, an, it's anti-social. I never thought of R&B from that light, but, but I, while I being see sociable, but yeah. while being but, but while being sociable, like metal's the same. Like metal's very anti-social, but it brings a lot of people together. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's the, there's those two elements that run in parallel. The most beautiful thing. And that's thing. the thing that I find common across the genres. There's these, these, this parallel idea of anti-establishment ideas and people coming together. Not, Whether not all moshing genres, or though. Moshing or dancing or whatever it is. I wouldn't say all genres, though. Like like pop is, I'd say, very conformist. I I, say. I'd say that it's adolescent. Very, sorry, it's, it's very, very adolescent. It's very adolescent. It's it, it's tuning into nah, but, but brainwaves that are... You know, usually of a sexual content. But again, though... <laughs> but all genres can be adolescent, right? Mm. Like, Well, they are, I suppose, yeah. Like, emo was very aimed at, like, 14-year-olds of that generation. Yeah, Goth Mark II. I remember yeah. that, yeah. Goth Mark II. <laughs> <laughs> it's, look, uh, I can't... Ha- as, as a former emo kid, I can't hate it, because it's true. It's it true. is. It's Goth Mark II. Like, like I, I remember... Uh, like, I have gothic tendencies, or emo tendencies, if you will. Um, but you know, um, you know, I, I can go anywhere from like wearing a. I'll, I'll be the like the most metal dude on a golf course if that makes sense. Yeah. Like everyone rocks up. I still wear like the cabbie hat, but it's yeah. black and a black <laughs> polo shirt with black shorts and black shoes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's with a black golf bag. Yeah. Like, it's just fucking black. <laughs> Love it. Love it, bro. Um, but you know, and and I'm getting better at the stroke, man. You, uh, old man, you got to pick up your game, bro. Hey. hey! Shout out, bro! <laughs> yeah, uh, no, de- yeah, definitely, man. Like, I, I, I noticed there is a cohes- uh, cohesion between those things. And what I started trying to do as a promoter is mix all that up. Like uh, doing metal shows, man. I like to put on different shows. Um, watching some of you, um, you guys working, um, you know, doing those open mics, you know, with Esky and 
um, and another mobs you've been working with. The contrast in um, uh, comedians is great as well because I, I see there's a similarity between that space where you want to put on someone who's quite um, you know graphic and, and yeah, colourful, yeah. or and then someone political or someone who's like likes to do long rants. You want to have that like smoothness through the entire show just don't look at one act look at the acts collectively the, the type of person who becomes a comedian and the type of person that comes a musician um, are very very similar there's a famous mm. quote by Dave Chappelle some of the Sh- too yeah. oh, yeah, 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 I'll totally. say that too um, uh, there's a famous quote by Dave Chappelle and I'm going to paraphrase here but something like every comedian wants to be a musician and every musician wants to be a comedian totally they do and, and so he would do shows where he would purposely have co- half the set would be comedians, half the set would be musicians. Mm. And sometimes they would collab on stage and stuff, which I think is fucking cool. Oh, dude, like every um, lead actor wants to be a lead guitarist. Every lead guitarist oh, yeah. wants to be a lead singer. Every lead singer wants to be a lead guitarist. So basically everyone wants to be a lead guitarist. And no really. one wants to be a bass player. <laughs> no one wants to be a bass player. Well, uh, yeah. bass players. Oh, no, but a lot of bass players I know um, generally were guitarists that became bass players. Yeah, actually, well, one of the coolest bass players I've ever worked with actually was a vocalist that became a bass player. Oh. Shout out, Steve-O. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, played, uh, you know, I played music with him for 10 years doing bands around Sydney, man. So, um, no, But the, those different, there's different personalities that are on the band that are on a, a lineup for comedy that are working on a film set. Mm. And I find the similarities, right? The headliner at a comedy show is the lead singer. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 um, the supporting act is the guitarist because usually the supporting act is usually a bit more hungry than the fucking lead, right? Because the they just going to run their material as they always win. That's their winning material, and that's what they're running that night. The, the lead, the one that coming in that's trying to get the headliner, they're working their work, they're, they're working their material more because they're they're up and coming, you know. And it, it, same on a film set, man. A cinematographer is a guitarist. Like you can put a cinematographer and a guitarist together, and they'll have the same fucking conversation. I shit you not. Um, they, you know what they have in common? The guitar- a director is a lead singer. Yeah. <laughs> so a guitarist, a, cin- a cinematographer. But you do what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, these personalities are quite, they're, they're quite interchangeable. The guitarist is the tech head of the group always. There is like, oh, what preamps, what amps, what cables, totally. what fucking, you know, you got the fucking this, that. Cinematographer. cinematographer is like what camera, what lenses, what blah, blah, what guitarist, what strings, you know? And the singer... You know, the singer's the this director. The story. Because he's the, the story. story. He tries to put them together. Like, when I was in a band, my whole thing was, okay, like our writing process was often, okay, mentally not the best writing process, but guitarists would come in with a riff. Yeah. And I'm that's like, okay, cool. That's a good cool. riff, man. That's a good and riff. I, yeah. And, and then, so they'd start learning it. And I'd be like, and I, then I would be like, Oi, you, didn't you have a riff that went like this the other week? Yeah. It's like, well, what if that came after that riff? And then we'd start piecing that shit together and as the and sure I'm not the singer but as a story guy I'm looking at the story I'm starting to take they're building the Lego blocks and I'm helping them put it together but as and that's the an non- arrangement right yeah, that's I'm an arrangement it. but the problem is is because I'm not as musically minded they'll be like Matt like they're totally completely different oh BPMs. dude I'm gonna joke about that that doesn't work I'm, I'm like, gonna fuck. joke about that what do you call um, um, uh, a dude that hangs around a bunch of musicians what a vocalist <laughs> 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 and, and and the thing about the vocalist is like the drummer will probably hate you because as they spend 30 minutes setting up you're just there like oh, I'm just talking to some chick at the merch desk or whatever and, oh dude uh, I, I but, call it so working I'll, the room it's yeah. working the room well, that's bro. what I would do it's I working would, the room bro I would I would totally do that I, what I do before every set 
um, throughout the night, I would um, I would go up to random people in the crowd. Hey, who what band do you see? Mm. I've heard of Wings of Icarus. That was my band. Check us out on Spotify. We're still up there. Um, yeah. And I'd be like, maybe on even MySpace if you look hard enough. Yeah, no, no, definitely. <laughs> that was that was the way we lived. We lived on MySpace. I I put it back on Spotify just recently, just because for the memories, you know. And then boy, they check um, out Alfred Degenerate. We're on uh, Spotify. You know, uh, Alfred Degenerate. Alfred, yeah, Alfred Degenerate, man, the AD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> check us out on YouTube. Great clips. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, what I would do is like, I would say, oh, so you haven't heard of my band? You should totally check it out. And then they'd be like, oh, and so now I'm establishing a friendship. I would always say, it. my rule was, don't make fans make friends. Totally. And then what would happen Actually, is that yeah, the show... yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that on one of like your album cover or on a t-shirt or it was on a post that you did. I saw it somewhere that you put it big. I've, uh, maybe I put it in a big status or something. I don't know, but I've, I've definitely said it a million times. I've been saying that since 2009. Don't make fa- don't make fans make friends. Don't make fr- make friends not fans. Whatever. I used and to say um, um, is- make uh, make more members less fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like we do some. I remember we were doing a show in Queensland, right? And this the headliner was like fucking pissed because we had all these people there, and we were both from Sydney, and they had like no one out front. And, we, and it's like, I remember the guys sort of says, "I'm like, why? Oh, they only like you because you do that cover song." I'm like, no, it's. It's because I spent. Don't give a, whole, a shit. Why because, do I give a shit? It's because the show, the gig's been going on for like two or three hours, and yeah, what and did you do? You put yourself you, at the end. You sat. You yeah, but so you sat at the desk all day, and you would only talk to the hot girls that would come to the desk, right? Mm. I spent the last two hours the room. talking to everyone in the room. Worked the room. I even taught some guy the lyrics who didn't even know the song. Yeah. And he still did a mic grab because yeah. he knew the words. Yeah, that's the best though, man. Yeah. I must say, when you're on stage and someone knows your music and they do a mic grab Dude. and you're both there together, that's the best. Have you seen um the video I cut, the music video I cut for a song of ours? I put it out like a year ago or something. I haven't seen that one, no. Dude, there's a, there's a footage from our final show. It's at Blacktown Masonic Center. And there there's a go. part where we get everyone clapping along. And We're going to find this is on YouTube. And 200 people are singing it. Yeah, it's um, on YouTube. Um, yeah, there's one. Uh, you could see the live version or you could see the, the edited. Maybe see the edited one. Go with Velomat Films okay. if you want. And um, you'll see the footage like edited nice. The, the, the audio will be from the fucking clip. But yeah. Yeah. Um, if you just scroll, go videos and scroll a bit down. I'm so proud. So I took all this video footage. Keep going down. Keep going down. Um, yep, yeah, there we go. Wings of Icarus. Um, the one, one third there. one. No, no, the next one. That one yeah. there. So all this footage from 2009, 2010. Mm. And um, bro, like we had fans. Which some people came from Coffs Harbour. We had, because we, we were big in my... Oh, I've seen not, this. Not huge. And if you go like, I don't know, two minutes in, there's this shot that I just fucking love to death of everyone clapping along and yeah it's probably around here yeah maybe. probably around there that looks alright um, oh we're gonna get timed out it's gonna oh, fuck me fuck over now. it's gonna fuck me oh there we go um, yeah look 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 at oh fuck we just missed it it's actually a few seconds back. Ah. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Maggie, here we go. but I just I just can't believe and everyone was singing along at that part mm. and it was the best fucking moment of my life because this song too look at you Maddie. young Maddie. Me. young Maddie. yeah that's mad. Yeah, yeah look at those look, guys moshing us and shit. That, that was our final show. That was the best show we ever did. Yeah. But like, people, here we go. This, this fucking bit. Look at th- that shot there. Look at all those people clapping. Holy yeah, fuck! And it means so much to me because this song was a. It's about I was, uh, lyrics are very cryptic, but it's about the day I chose not to kill myself, and I made a promise to myself that no matter how bad shit got with my depression, mm. I would never die. Right? Mm. I would never die from my own hand. Yeah. Right. And so that song, it's like, it's my mantra. It's my favorite piece of art I've ever made still to this day. Yeah, okay. Right? It's like, is it my best? My most polished? I don't know. I still think it's pretty catchy. But like, it is, you know, whenever things get down, I go, look, I can get as depressed as I want. 
I can fucking harm myself. Mm. I can do whatever escape I need as long as I don't die. Optics, man. Yeah, that's see, the, again, that's, that's the, the, that's the, that's the, and, uh, that's and, the getting out of the, the good way. Yeah, and having this song out there, the fact that people, it's out there in the world, it's a reminder to myself mm. that I have to, I have to stick to this promise. The, the chorus, the lyrics are, no longer do I need excuses to keep my heart beating. Mm. You are my perfect excuse to keep on breathing. Yeah, wow. And my friends, my family, they're that perfect excuse, you know? Oh, dude, and, I can totally, I can totally yeah. resonate with that, man. Like, I, um... I definitely um, have written an, like at least an album and a half, two sets and a half, maybe even th- maybe even three sets, based on my experiences in the war and just based and based on um, p- politics of the time. So a lot of the narratives that I do are about you know songs called Lonesome and it goes really you know deep into ideas of being truly isolated when you're surrounded by people. That's so heavy. You know, they, 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 you know and and if you look at the last album that we did. Um, it, the whole thing is a narrative. The whole thing is a story. It starts out at Lonesome and it ends up at Fascist Piggy, right? Is this Alpha Degenerate? Or, no, no, this is Mendoza. Because Alpha Degenerate was before Mendoza. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, let me pull some yeah, old footage. Sure. I'll pull some old footage up of uh, Alpha Degenerate, man. Like yeah. this is like. I was seeing you guys at um. Oh, what was that? Fe- uh, what was that venue? Uh, was it Factory Theater? I saw you at. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, there. see, that's what yeah. spun me out, man. Like, because you sent me a text. I think it was. What am I doing? Oh, you're talking about uh, Snake Eyes. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I almost had you in that video that I shot for them. Yeah. Yeah, I um no, but no, no, no. You went to one of the venues that um I've played at before. Where was it? Um, I think it's this. One. Okay, this one. This is one of my favorite clips of all time. This was at the uh, Agent Court. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's is gone it? through a few different names. Venom Bar. That's Venom Bar. This is the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played there once when they called it Trash. Do you remember when they called it? It was Trash. I don't mm. know. They had these um gigs on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're oh, there. Young fuck. pup. They don't have this stage there pup. anymore at this venue. I yeah, man, they have a cage up there. I used to oh, swing on oh, the actually, fucking cage, bro. Is this the underneath part? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is, okay, this now, is in the basement, yeah. They yeah. used to have a stage above upstairs too, and that's where I played out. They knocked it out, but so much better the one downstairs because mm. it's got so much more room for moshes and shit. And there you go. Look people. at that. That's fucking hardcore shit. Still got the same hair though. How, how, old, <laughs> this, how old is this video? 2017? 27. No, no. I uploaded it then. I shot it in uh, 2013. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Been around the time I met you, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's when I did Lynch, yeah. Yeah, um, but you know, those those were the days, man. But that, that, that was all conspiracy metal. So that was all metal that I wrote because I was pissed off with the government and then I realised the reason I was pissed off with the government because was because of the fucking war and then I dissected that and like my old man right he go why do you do this metal thing it runs at a loss Ross like why would you do a business venture that runs at a loss you know because you get paid occasionally as a musician when you're up and coming like, it's not about the money though. it's not about the money bro and I said to him like I could have gone to therapy and paid money for that yeah. Or I can get occasionally get paid for a gig and express myself on stage and really vent that shit. Yeah, but it's not even. It's more than a vent. It's also fun. Yeah, totally. You get to be a fucking rock star. Yeah, but man, like I gotta say, like this last, like there's a there's some lyrics at the end of that last song of that set. That set is planned. Yeah. It is a plan that is done in an order, a very specific order, and that order is everything to me. That's it, it. It starts the story at A. You get to the middle part of the story B, and then you get to the end of the story C. And um, uh, the, the lyrics at the end of that song is that um, he was a righteous man that um, uh, was fighting for truth and justice, and he was a righteous man that 
um, you know, oh, fuck, I've lost the fucking lyrics there in my head. Um, Gotta sing it. He was a righteous man then, was fighting for truth and justice. Yeah. He was a quiet man then, was fighting for freedom. Right? Fuck yeah! Fuck you! All right, all right. <laughs> freedom! And that's where it ends, right? And we go back, and then I go, and I thank the crowd, and we uh, do a break. As the as the band's breaking it down, I'm like, don't forget to go and buy a shirt. Yeah, go um, do that spiel. And I used to say, what I used to say at the end of the gig is like, um, buy a shirt, get laid, and rock out. Right? Hey. And then we'll break it back down again and do the line again. Yeah. And uh, that end of that song, when I got to that point, emotionally I felt that I had unpacked that whole story that leads from a very dark, sinister place that goes into a progressive narrative that is a story of reckoning. And that story then unpacks itself to become a better person. Mm. And that's what I get out of that set. Every time I sung that set, I walked away um, fucking high as a kite. Yeah. And it wasn't just about the performance on stage. It was about the body reaction that I had performing it. Because mm. it, it was a fucking performance, man. Like I, 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 you, you've seen me on stage, man. Yeah. I go fucking nuts. Yeah, I call it my crazy turkey. <laughs> crazy turkey. The crazy turkey, man. Yeah, I go. I'm like fucking crazy turkey on stage, right? Just fucking bopping around. But um, you know, rocking up with a fucking fur coat and fucking, you know, just covering, you know, having the crowd throw beer at you. Like it's mad. It's a mad. And you're right. It's like that's what it is being a rock star. And you can be a rock star in that moment and entertain that crowd. Yeah. And there's nothing better than that. Dude, I had a... I got to feel like a rock star just a few weeks ago. I had this really cool experience. Best gig I ever got called up for, right? Oh, yeah? I um, was doing, actually... Yeah, I was doing social like media like stories for um, an emo club uh, called Emo Night. And mm. they had... They had uh, guest DJ they had Short Stack do you remember mm. that band from, yeah. from back in the day yeah I remember yeah, Short I'm Stack like, yeah fuck okay and so they're just like get up there and just film Short Stack and, and, and just put it just... I did some stuff on Twitch and some Instagram or whatever right and um, there's a, they've got a videographer there like a proper videographer doing stuff as well and he's done a lot of gigs with these guys and he's just like he's doing this technique which I've actually done myself but never at this level where he'll go up on stage and he'll just like stop filming he'll look at someone in the crowd he'll start singing to them and g'ing them up and then once they're g'd up then he starts getting the shots right yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I like okay that, yeah. so I'm gonna do the same thing too so I'll start like singing along to someone and then I, that's when they look g'd up and then I'll get shots of them right whenever they're like you know not fangirling over short stack and then at one point I'm like I'm just like noticing like I can also do this without that. So then I just start like, I'm on stage at the Manning Bar. It's mm. basically sold out and I don't have a mic, but mad I'm just singing like my too. favorite Manning songs. Manning Bar's are. a mad venue, So bro. good. I've seen so many bands I fucking love on that stage too. Yeah. And I guess for a little moment, I just pretended I was the rock star. <laughs> and you know what? People would look at me, they were doing the whole pointing and singing to me thing. And it's like, uh, and then like, oh shit, that's right. I'm working, film the rest. But then I was like, back to being a rock star. It's cool. Whenever, you know, not hogging the spotlight from the stars. Oh, dude, the show, I've been but, I've I've been in a yeah. mosh pit with a fucking camera, no oh, doubt about it. I that's got, scary. Yeah, man, I used to shoot for mosh cam. Uh, shoot, oh, really? Yeah, man, shooting for mosh cam. That's a fucking experience. Are um, they still around? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to those guys, man. They're ferocious though to work with. They fucking get their product, man, at, at all costs, man. They're really good. I, like, it's I was ferocious like, though. It's like early YouTube ferocious. days. I remember watching this stuff. Maybe it was before YouTube. Maybe um. 
Yeah, the guys that set up, the, ironically, the guys that set up Moshcam are the guys that built TVS. No way. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's, awesome. how, that's how I know them. Fucking go, yeah, Mosh. Yeah, yeah, man. No, they're no, they're no, fucking they're cool. boss guys, man. They've got, a, they've got their own OB van and the lot, the whole lot, Sick. man. It's mad. It's I, uh, absolutely mad. I'll tell you a story. I, um, so. I, I miss switching here. I keep switching to you. <laughs> I've got to go for a piss, though, bro. I've got to go for a piss. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm like two beers in, maybe should, even should three. We, should we just pause? Yeah, pause, yeah. All right. Can we pause? All right, and I'll, I'll tell the story once you go. All right, all right. All right. And we'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Been there too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you were talking about um, filming in a mosh pit, right? Yeah. So um, arguably some of the coolest shit I've ever done. I've had beer poured on was... me while I'm doing camera work. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I, I would not find that fun. I would be scared as fuck for my camera. Pull it on your cords and shit, man. They're fucking rough. Oh, fuck that. It's mad. Um, it's mad. <laughs> Recommend it. Uh, one of the coolest things I ever did was I went on a US American tour mm. with a band signed to a pretty big label mm. um, in 2014. Um, Shit, there's Aussie, Aussie metal band called Capture the Crown. They're not around anymore. Yeah. Um, but the the tour was massive, right? Mm. Headliner was this band called Attila, one of the biggest metal core bands of that in that genre, probably around, at least back then. Um, another band on that lineup was called Ice Nine Kills, who... They're massive now. They weren't massive back then, but these venues they were doing, mm. 2,000 people per show. Yeah, man. Almost every single day, new Best show. Best have done 600, unfortunately. And, uh, <laughs> dude, uh, it, was, it was so cool. Like, And again, this is like me pretending I'm a rock star when I'm really just adjacent to the rock stars. Uh, but yeah, but it rubs the, off. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do some filming and shit, and I, I barely could work a camera back then. I was crazy. The reason they put me on, though, um, I think was Lynch, actually. Uh, my yeah, mate was man. in the band. He's like, oh, I didn't know you could actually use a camera. Come on, talk with me. I'm like, okay, fuck oh, dude, yeah. you've shot some of my shit, um, man. You did a great job. Thanks, buddy. You did, man. Thank you. Yeah, but you had practice, I, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I honestly don't think I'm very good behind a camera, to be honest with you. I I, 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 talk, I get massive imposter syndrome. When I talk to a DOP, mm. I'm glad I can speak the lingo with them. But if they ever said, oh, do you want to take this gig? Like, I'll actually turn down gigs sometimes. Cause yeah, I'm like, I only do commercial gigs because um, I can do the interview. Yeah, I can do the interview, but the uh, and I can do some promo for you, but uh, to get those aesthetics, to get those high end aesthetics, is a it's different hard. league, man. It's a different and, league. And even to be honest, that's why you got a big shout out to Luke Walker, big shout out to Adam McFilman. Uh, these guys are the guys that do that shit. Love them, man. Yeah, totally. My my issue is um, I'm semi technically minded, mm. but I'm not. I don't specialize in technical stuff. I'm a storyteller mm. more so, right? So, like, um, if I'm working on a project that matters to me, that's when I'll, I'll hire another DOP. I mm. can shoot stuff that's acceptable for social media, but if you're like, oh, this has to be, like, a really expensive high-end project for, you know, whatever, or it's going to be... No, I contract that shit out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I outsource that I, shit. I, yeah, yeah, I contract that I, straight I, I, up. I'm okay. I, I won't even say I'm good. I'm I okay. can produce the shit out of it, man. That's what I do. I'm a, I'm yeah. a creative producer, man. I, I bring people together. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But anyways, back to the story, though. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was amazing. They even I had me on because I, I I was very <sighs> mediocre cameraman. Mm. Um, but uh, two crazy things that happened to me at uh, at at, uh, <laughs> at rock shows um, filming. Strap in, kids. Uh, the first one. <laughs> no, you don't know. I'll I'll, I'll go from. Um, I'll, I'll save the good one to last. Okay. So so the, so the other one I'll say is um, uh, I'm filming. I'm like there's like the barricade, the stage. I'm sort of in the middle. Yeah, yeah, the pit. Filming them. You're in the pit. Uh, no, 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 like the. You know, like no, not the mosh pit, but the the camera. Yeah, pit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, like where like the bouncers will be and shit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so I'm feeling... I'm we refer to that as the pit. There we go. <laughs> Not the mosh pit. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm on one side of the stage and I see the singer sort of run to the other side of the stage. He starts climbing up on these, these speakers. He's going to the top. I'm like, that's a fucking dope oh, no. shot. Oh no, sorry. He's like in front of me. So I can't really get a good angle. So I'm like, I need to go to the other side of the thing. Mm. So I just start running. I brought my camera and I start running. Now... What do people do in the front row? They always are throwing water. Or yeah. the band will like spit water out or I'll throw water. So stupid totally. me not realizing I'm basically running to the slipperiest surface Ooh. on the fucking planet. I slip, the I asset. fall, <laughs> lens first, ah, shatter. Like, it was like, there's a little thing on the end that sort of just started snapping. So the glass was mostly okay. But like, it took a hit, there was though. shit it took flying a off. Hit. And that was the scariest fucking Protect thing ever. The but then you know what I did? I then rolled over... <laughs> and I kind of got the shot. I'm not saying it was a great shot, but I did capture it. And I'm on the floor, and the bouncer's looking at me like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It's like, "Shut up, get out of the way." I've got the shot. <laughs> uh, Shut the fuck up, move, man! I'm getting the shot. I just broke my fucking ribs to get it. Move. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. it. But um, the the crazy story that happened on that for me um was this one show in Connecticut. Mm. For some reason, they wouldn't let me film. They go, "We have a very strict no filming policy." It's like I'm literally being paid to be here to film and they're like doesn't matter i'm like okay so Do they I, have other operators there or they had nothing it's like i didn't make any fucking sense it's like i've got my vip pass i've got everything they're like no nah. like venue's very strict about this I'm like oh i can tell you what it was man they would have had their own um uh union uh team that was like well these are our film guys uh and they they go no but we've, we've got our own film team they go it's not in your contract um, if you if you go to our venue, you have to use our film crew. Union problem, I'm telling you straight up. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what producing you're right. kids you're producing. Right. I'm telling you, that's the problem. I know. I it. never thought about it, it that way. But yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm like fuck. So I go to the bands like guys. What do I do? Like, what do you want me to do? And like, okay, well, we have some beach balls during this song. Throw them out, and then you know what? At the last song, just before like this one bit, mm. why don't you just run off the stage and stage dive into the crowd and crowd surf? Yeah. That'd be cool. And I've never staged... I've crowd surfed, but i never staged dive. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, now, fuck how yeah, I'll bad do it. can it be? How bad can it be? I'll tell you how bad it can be, Ross. This is how bad it can be. Um, so, true story. Um, the part of the song comes up. I start running. Mm-hmm. And um, they've got like these rises, right? Which is like about a foot of... A couple of feet off the ground. Yeah, a rise is stand. a fancy word for a stage, but a smaller stage. Yeah, it's like a stage yeah, yeah. on top of a stage. Stageception, right? Yeah. Stageception. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm told, you know, the, the, they're built so they're really heavy, so it's really hard to move them in order to be safe so the singers and stuff don't fall off them at all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, they'll break their legs and shit. There's no yeah. rails. But yeah. um, they don't build Well, there's the, rails backstage, yeah. but none on stage. Yeah, so they're, they're <laughs> built to sort of protect the singer, but it turns out they're not idiot-proof, or at least not Matt Vella-proof. Because what I do is I run, and then I, I sort of hesitate because I remember, oh shit, I'm scared of heights. But then, like, I stop, and then I sort of jump again. But as I do... Um, so my foot gets stuck on the riser as I jump. I fall. It rolls over with me because it's caught between like like my, my toes. I fall off the stage. The riser falls on top of me. Oh, you lands flip on the me. riser. It, yeah, it flips. It falls off stage. I'm like, fuck. Ah. People help me up in front of 2,000 people. They've all seen me do it. Second the show ends, I see the, the, the next band up. Their tour manager is getting screamed at by security how the guards. Fuck do you, and I'm, how the fuck do you bomb as a camera guy? I don't fucking know, man. I'm that dumb. But it gets it gets crazier, right? Well, so, you get a bad shot. I understand getting a bad <laughs> shot. But you fucking bombed 
How's the camera guy, man? This is impressive. Oh, I, I, I fuck up even harder. So, like, um, the I see the tour manager as they're loading the next band on, and he's getting screamed at by the by the head of security. And, he's like, and the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, no, you can't have your band just throwing this type of stuff into the crowd. You could kill someone. You could hurt them. I'm like, oh, excuse me. I think I can solve this. Um, Yeah, no one threw that. Um, I fell, and it fell on top of me. And I'm in a lot of pain. And the guy's like, oh. And he's like, he doesn't know how to react because he's clearly never seen this before. He's like, well, are you okay? And I'm like, uh, I hope so. And he's like, well, don't fucking do it again. Uh, and he just storms off. And like the tour manager's like, oh, you fucking saved me there. Yeah. Next day, I meet, for the first time, I meet Attila. Like, amazing band. Mm. Probably one of the biggest metalcore acts around. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 yeah. they're fucking, they're fucking, ma- they're great. And the guitarist, he comes up to me. And I'm like, oh shit! Cause I've been trying to avoid them, trying to like not get in their way. I don't know what they're like. I just know they're meant to be like really big oh, party my guys. Oh, they're going to be concerned, man. Um, well, this guy comes up to me because I haven't met them yet, and he goes, "You look really familiar. Uh, where have we met?" And I'm like, "Dude, we've never met." Um, he's like, "No, we've definitely met." Like, I've been in this country for about four or five days for the first time ever. You're famous. I'm not. I'm telling you, we've never met before. He looks at me. He looks at like this girl that's with him, and he's like, "You're the guy who ate shit in Connecticut." And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, he calls the whole band. Hey, Attila, everyone, Franz, everyody. You know that it's guy? The guy? It's the guy who ate shit in Connecticut. It's the guy who ate shit in Connecticut for the rest of the tour. Attila, this band I fucking love, are calling me the guy who ate shit in Connecticut. <laughs> and and then and Capture the Crown are all like, oh, well, from now on, because you trip over everything, it's now called See, Maddie. I had so on every the side, time- I had on the side of concern. Like, maybe they're concerned and like, no, this is the guy that ate shit yeah. in Connecticut. They're not worried about if I'm okay or not. They're like, no, it's the guy who ate shit in Connecticut. And fucking Capture the Crown are all like, oh, he just matted. Did Matt mad again? And so every time, like, at one point, I'm helping unload some stuff from the van. I tripped over a cable. Ah, he matted again. He matted again. And for the whole tour, it's, I'm either mad or I'm the guy who ate shit in Connecticut. Oh, dude. And that That's was my terrible. cool rock star moment. <laughs> yeah, but look, it's a part of it's a part of the process, right? Um, you know, um, if you do these things, man, you're not going to always... It's not always going to come off the way that you planned. Yeah. It's uh, not, not going to happen, you know? I learned that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, man, you're, you're drifting away. Let's pull oh, your shit. chair in. Okay, you're, okay. you're floating away. Thank don't you for directing away. me, El Director. Yeah, yeah, don't float away. Stick, stick, stick on the pagey train, man. We're on the drinks cart. Yeah, I got nowhere to go. <laughs> Yeah, but they, those kind of stories, though, man, are great because they they shape they shape how you look at things as an artist, man, and as a as a producer, as a promoter. Because like we we're, we're all things at the moment, right? Like you're your own promoter. You're you you we are one man bands that have helpers. Um, you know, yeah, I think you pointed out before you like you've got a team, Ross. I'm like, yeah, but um, it, it's it's um the, the team is an organism. And uh, you could say that, oh, you know, you're the leader of this team, but that's not really the truth. You're a collaborator in that team. No, but that's amazing within itself. So when I say that, it's like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be honest here. I'm jealous of that. I wish I had that because when you're a solo, when you're doing it isolated, you've got to fucking do every little step. That's right. Even the fucking grueling little fucking annoying shit, right? Yeah, but and I've done all of it though. That's my point. I know, but like... And I, you've got to enroll wish, other people in the idea. Yeah, and I... I That's how you do it. I think it. I'm not good at that. Like, I'm good at bringing people on for a project. Especially mm. it's a crew and stuff. But like, you know, once the film's done, it's back to me, you know? Yeah, well, and, you got um, the, you got the space of... Because um, we were talking about it before, like... You can, um, if you can't pay someone fully, you've got to give them something else. Yeah. And that's experience. Experience is a commodity. 
right? And 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 they the commodity that gets used against us as artists is uh, exposure. So <sighs> no, but what you do, right? No, no, serious yeah. is a heart attack, right? You take three teaspoons of um, exposure, put it into a bowl of exposure, and you stir that for three <laughs> minutes of exposure, and then you take that exposure and you put it in the oven for a fictitious five minutes. And when you pull that out, you can feed five of your th- friends theoretically on that exposure. I didn't realize we're on Martha Stewart right now. <laughs> Holy shit. No, but the, like they will say exposure, right? This, this is what I hate about it. They'll say, we will give you exposure. Surely you want to work with our brand, right? But the thing is, you've got to pay people. And if you can't fully pay them, you've got to pay them in another way. So with trainees and volunteers, I make sure that they get their showreel, they get their... Um, uh, they get their proper accolades, their proper resume out of it and an experience where they've learned something. Mm. If you're hiring someone that already knows all that shit, you've got to pay them. So that's that's the key with the team. And that's what I try to do is try to increase the profit margin in order to pay everyone. Oh, yeah. And when I see teams like Still Searching, when I see teams like Phoenix Eye, I'm like, that's a team. That's, that's fucking... Mm. I wish Velomat Films could be that. I've, I've, I don't have a team at the moment. I have frequent collaborators. But like, yeah, I, but you're almost there, step, bro. Um, yeah, I you're need almost a, there. I um, you've I, got the content. You've got the oh, content. Yeah. You've totally got the content, and you do have collaborators, man. Big shout. Yeah, that's to, the thing. I have collaborators. Big shout out to Adrienne, yeah. uh, man. Like, and 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 the um, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Adrienne and Esther on yeah. on the podcast, man, and they they're just electric, right? They're just absolutely electric. And um, there we go. I've shot right. I got you back. Got, you got me back. You I want to help you for now. <laughs> yeah, um, they're absolutely electric, but. They're the people you got to find. You find those people and you come across them, but you, you have to enroll them in the idea and you've got to do the payback. Yeah. The payback is everything. Um, if they've got a project, you've got to go work on their project. That, that's, what I, that's what I say. Like I pay, I try my best to pay everyone when I have a project, right? The problem is, is like what I, a team means it's ongoing projects, right? Mm. Which is what I'd love. But at the moment, if I have a, te- if I have a project, I try and pay some everybody in some form of way. Yeah. So DAP always gets money if I can if I can arrange that. Cash is king, man. But for everybody else, okay. If you're an actor and works with me, well, straight up you got footage for your showreel, so that's great. But on top of that, I tell the actors when you need to cut a new showreel, I'm your editor. You got yeah, a yeah. free editor waiting for you right now. I've um, cut plenty of showreels for actors, yeah. man. Plenty. For for I always have a. For in my major films, I'll have a behind the scenes docu- documentary, mm-hmm. and I try and use that as a way to showcase other people's stuff. Um, like this guy I usually have who masters my stuff and mixes sometimes. I, I do pay him, but I also try and plug him whenever I can because uh, I know he wants to break more into the film space and stuff. Mm. Um, uh, when it gets uh, like a cinematographer, obviously they get footage for their showreel mm. as well. Um, my PAs, they get a lot of experience and they get taught. I'll say to them, like I'll have like my first AD or someone's like, hey, when you don't do anything, mentor this guy. Like, mm. Give him some tricks, give him some tips. Uh, make sure that they leave with more not, than what they rocked up yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they leave learning from the experience. And all I'll do is like after the set, I'll like try and um, after the after the show, I'll try and sit down with them and be like, "All right, so this is why I did this like that today, mm. or whatever." And like, there's always like great lessons. Like um, when I did Nobody Likes Camping, we had this moment where uh, all of a sudden this, the neighbors were shooting outside, and the neighbors start doing a throwing a party. Yeah. And we were under the impression that that wasn't going to happen. We had told them ahead of time. And so I'm like, fuck, my AD is just kind of like 
sure we can make it work. It's like, no, nah, but we have this dialogue and we need this dialogue to be perfect this part. So we yeah, go we can't over... ADR this shit because it's spontaneous. Yeah, and I hate ADR. Mm. I, I know you're a big proponent of ADR, I'm so a massive no offense. Pro- I'm a massive proponent no offense, of ADR. But nine times out of ten, I can see it coming. And uh, I, when I've tried ADR in the nine past... Nine times out of ten, I get away with it. Uh, <laughs> but fair enough. But like, if you can capture it in the moment... Just it's don't tell so them much... until way after. Yeah. <laughs> way after. Tell them, go, yeah. that was all bullshit, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> But if you can capture it on set, like there's a special energy there totally, if you can yeah. get it, you know? You need to capture and it in the moment. Yeah. Absolutely. If you can get it in the moment, it's it's, it's also easier too, because it means you don't have to do it later. Oh, right? it's uh, at least one-fifth of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you're in ADR too, you've got to worry about like trying to make the mic match the other mic and what about the acoustics and Sound blah, blah, all that man. other shit. Check and us mixing. out at, uh, uh, you can reach me personal message. Uh, <laughs> I'll sort out your soundscapes. Uh, yeah. no, no problems at all. Uh, we can get it done for you. Uh, but yeah, the, I had this issue and like, yeah. I was just like, um, all right, so we, we talked to the neighbors. I, I negotiate them. It's like, can you give us one hour before you put the music on? You can still gather, you can still talk, you can do whatever, mm. but can you just please... Give us one hour. Producing. That's producing. And, or, or can you give us an hour where we come to you when we're ready and goes, can you just turn it off for like 45 minutes? Like, okay, fine. So we go to him. So I'm like, okay, we're going to restructure. I spend 10 minutes with AD. I'm like, we're going to look at every shot. We're going to prioritize them now from what, it doesn't matter what scene they're from, which ones need dialogue and which ones can I just chuck music over mm. or sound effects. And then we fucking redid the whole schedule mm. and look, okay, these are the shots with dialogue. We're going to shoot all of them during that hour. Got them all. And then the rest of the thing. All right. So they've got fucking Katy Perry going on. Well, I've got a serial killer like walking through the woods and shit. Yeah. But with that, I've got loud. I know I'm going to, ha- I know the edit. I'm going to have loud music. I'm going to have some Foley probably as well. Yeah. And so the dialogue's not going to fucking matter. By the way, if you need some Foley done, don't forget to uh, personally message Still me. Still searching production. Yeah, we get you done. We get you sorted. Yeah. And like, but stories like that, that's when I'll go to like a PA and I'm like, so this is what I did. And this is like a lesson you can learn mm. from what I did here because Matt Vella in 2014 or 2013 wouldn't have been smart enough to do that yeah I remember I've got this one unreleased project called Millennials um and I I blew out a three-hour shoot to maybe a six-hour shoot Mm. because I was worried about fucking um there was uh like trucks going by fucking miles down the road and airplanes we'd stop for airplanes yeah, and stuff yeah but airplanes and air horns yeah, yeah. But or, no, or air horns are air brakes yeah but once you have experience in your belt you'll know one you can probably just do a denoiser filter and get rid of yeah, that shit you, out you can rub it out yeah and if the you mic is out, yeah. the mic is this close to your actor that's way in the background it's fine also it was a party scene I was gonna add fucking background noise add, over it anyways. You're add mud to it anyway. I was going to add music. Yeah. It never would have shown up. That six-hour that... shoot could have been a three-hour shoot and if I knew that shit. That's what I try to say to people, man. Like, you know, uh, you got to you got to consider the entire soundscape. Um, we're going to chuck mud in there. It's going to have a music track in there. It's going to have an atmosphere track in there. And it's probably going to have an atmosphere track above the atmosphere track. So it'll have like a, a, like yeah. a, um, a noise tone, like a room tone. But above the room tone, it might even have laughter or yeah. people uh, conveying, walking around. Like, there's a lot of things that are going to muddy up all of the yeah. shit that you don't want to see. I was giving here. I was giving feedback on a short film I saw recently, and the scene was pretty, pretty Ooh. simple. Oh, is that me? That's yeah, you. A oh, case of beer. There we go. No, I already owe two cases. <laughs> <laughs> they they equal each other out. Nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I was giving feedback. It was like a scene in a cafe, people talking in a cafe. Blah blah, but I think what they've done is they've either tried to edit out some mm. of the background noise, or they've tried to like they 
got to do a bit great. too quiet. That's an easy one. That's like um, co- coffee machines and grinders. Yeah, yeah. You can cover up a whole bunch you of shit. You can download a fucking background track online, throw it under there, boom, done. But also, but I think what they've done is like they've tried so hard to make it so, oh, we can't have too much noise so you can hear the actors and stuff. But they've over-polished it now that it sounds less authentic. Yeah, it sounds um, uh, clinical. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the killer with a lot of... Um, Emerging filmmakers. That's the trick with the ADR, my friend, man. The trick with the ADR. Well, it's more than ADR. It's sound design as well. Yeah, but when you build ADR tracks, you've got to consider them in the scape of where they are situated. Mm. And they're not just going to sit there as a naked voice. The the real challenge with ADR is matching the mics for the the person that you're not ADRing. Yeah. Right? To get that balance between voices. Once you've got the voice balance done and, and, and you've got that space completed... You just got to fill up the bottom. Yeah. You fill up. You fill out the bottom end, because it's the same in music editing, really. Like you, you, you have these different frequencies, mm. and you fill those frequencies up with enough content that you go, well, now it sounds believable. Yeah. And the and the and the um the small nuances that you were worrying about on set about planes flying over, trains going by, um, trucks that are doing their air brakes. They're easily muddied out, especially in a cafe. Like, oh, yeah. if I had a, a a truck going by, where it's going, right? I'm like coffee grinder. That's yeah. a coffee grinder right there. If it's if it's just going for a second, it's probably fine. Because you know what? That cafe is by a road where a truck is. That's 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 what cafes sound like. Totally. It's actually relevant. It's actually to part it. of the soundscape. And so, but like a, a starting out filmmaker, oh, it might be distracting, it might be this. Well, uh, well, you do take two, and take two won't have it. Who's you done? Continuity um, is for pussies. Yeah. <laughs> I always quote you on that. I always quote you on that. I always go. I know a guy who says continuity is for pussies. It's and, true, um, man. Who cares where the cigarette was burning? Who cares yeah. where the drink level was? Yeah, dude. Like, like, if they're picking that out, I'll buy them a drink and I'll light their cigarette. Fuck. You know what? You know what convinced me on that is. Um, many years ago, I was watching an episode of Scrubs, and I realized something that I now don't realize in every single comedy film I've ever watched now, and, and TV show, right? And it's where, um, say, let's say we're doing a scene right now, and I'm giving you a nice rant, I'm giving some mm-hmm. uh, something, and maybe I'm improvising or whatever, but then we cut to your reaction, mm-hmm. and if you look at my mouth, my mouth's probably not matching my words, but I'm like, hang on, why does every fucking movie and TV show allow this and acceptable? Because continuity is for pussies. That's right. And you're not looking at him. Dude. You're looking at the reaction. The point of that shot is the reaction. And Watch she's Pulp not Fiction. Watch Pulp Fiction, man. It is rubber-lipped all the way through. Yeah. It is... Uh, the whole thing is fucking <laughs> ADR'd. No You know shit. what? That period of no time... No shit. That, that time period, when you go back to like... Especially like early 90s and 80s films. Mm. Like, it's so obvious now. And I'm sure nowadays, like, they do it... I think they've gotten a lot better with hiding it. But, like, you look yeah, at those there's, periods... there's better frequencies that they're using. And there's better plugins as well. Mm. Yeah, you've got better room tones out there. Like, I remember room tones from, you know, 2010 versus now. And, you know, um, the room tones that I get now are, like, way more sophisticated. Like, I used to record room tones. But the room tones I, that I get as plugins are way better than what I record. Oh, bro. You know how, like, you know, when you're starting out, they teach you, oh, always stand by and get an Atmos track, right? Yeah. You know? That's old school. I, I used to do that. And, like, sometimes, sometimes we'll still do it, right? But I never use it. You know why? Because I have the crossfade technique, uh, the, the feature, which means my shot's going to blur together anyways. Yeah. So, as long as I just have enough gap between them and I don't have the same actor talking over themselves. Yeah, it does the job. Yeah, the overlap is always an issue, but the overlap um, is still achievable. I believe it's still achievable. Like I've even like you've know you've seen stuff that I've done that's live in on the red carpet that I've fucking eighty yard. Oh, I'm not surprised with you. Yeah, no, but <laughs> I think it was twenty twenty 
the 2020 well, highlights reel. Well, what's great like, about that the, is... The audio operator didn't hit record uh, on anything. I had camera mic right. through my entire interview for my flagship clip of the year. Like, I release, what, yeah. uh, 50 clips a year, whatever it is, right? That's the important one for you. That's yeah. my fucking flagship, yeah. man. That's that's worth 100000 fucking dollars. Yeah. And I didn't have the audio for it. You know what saves you, though, with that is the context of the audio. Because in those shots... The person is holding a microphone. Mm. So it's okay if they sound like they're talking into a microphone because they're talking into a microphone. Ah. So the context is king there. Yeah, but the real art is like when you watch that clip though, I actually built the background soundscape. When you hear people at the bar, that sound's Uh, not there. I put that sound there. Because I've created nuance. Right, because you would need all that shit too. Yeah, I've created footsteps in the background. So if someone walks by, I've actually done Foley on it. Like I did Foley on a live clip, an ADR to live clip. There's nothing harder as a sound designer than that. Because when you do a scripted ADR, you know the script. The actor's already said it before. When you get someone in to do an ADR that um, uh, has said something live, I'm going to get them in and go, I need you to say that. I know you were drunk at the time. (laughs) <laughs> but I need you to say that like the way, you're drunk, like yeah. you were drunk. So I had to direct. Well, them that's to what be makes it believable. Because um, the way your mouth moves is. That, I remember one of the very first things I ever shot. I was shooting this metal band, and so the singer, you know, he's got high screams and low screams. Mm. And when he his mouth moves like a low, it's like when it's a high, it's like. And sometimes he would do a in the video he would do a low scream. When Typical Zena screaming. That's Zena screaming shit yeah. right there. He'll do a high when he actually did a low, and I'm like, no, no, no these don't match. We gotta, we gotta get the right screams to the right mouth moves, the right screams. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not believable. Um, yeah, but you can get caught up in perfection. I think that's your point, right? Oh you, yeah. You can get yeah. caught up in perfection, and that's where that saying comes from: continuities for pussies. And that's why we do shot reverse shot. Yeah. Like it doesn't like the 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 close up. The actor knows when they're on a close up. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. They you know. It. You know the. Yeah, but you yeah. like there's a bit like it affects their performance a lot of times. The strange thing with performances is that it's a paradox, right? So performance is about entertaining people, but it's also about feeling good as an artist. So you you at the same time you're being selfless and being selfish. Like mm-hmm. there, there's those two things that are going on at the same time. So uh, yeah, there's certainly that there is certainly that mode of delivery that will be affected by those two spectrums. Yeah, yeah. Um, you Man, talk- I got really deep there. Yeah. That was super deep. Uh, <laughs> something I'll do for ADR. So I won't ADR, but I'll do what I call like I guess fake ADR. Where how do you fake an ADR, man? Well, what I'll do is <laughs> I so I I go very David Fincher in my edits, right? No shot. You do actually. You do go really David Finch. My shots are so fake and manufactured. I edit every one of them. That makes a lot of sense. Like, so for example, I will have takes, maybe the visuals take three, but the audio is from take two. Mm. Because maybe their face looked better in take three, but they said it better in take two. And as long as it matches up, it'll work. Yeah, totally. Um, So I'll do that. I'll do... But other things things I'll do is like... So when I do a fight scene, like bleeding backs, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The take is never what you see, right? Right before you see a punch, I'll take out a frame or two so the impact seems like it hits quicker. Yeah. And then right as the punch goes, I'll increase the speed by about 5% or I'll ramp it up to get faster as it goes. These are great techniques, kids. And Check it out. And this is how I sell the fight scene. This because, is how you do it. And I can tell when a... Because um, you can tell when a performance is not... You know, if it's, it's rehearsed. Or it's whatever. Yeah, but the strange thing is, like, again, it comes to that paradox you can about authenticity. Yeah. You're doing this fake scenario to make it as authentic as possible. 
Yeah. Well, it's, you know what? It's it's. I wouldn't say authentic. I would say it's um, more entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Because because if, if there's no danger in a fight scene, you yeah. need to up it up. Yeah. So you have to so you have to find ways to improve the actor's performance through editing, mm. right? So that means picking the best takes. Even if their video and their audio is different, what I'll do sometimes, and this is a David Fincher technique. I like this fake ADR. I love it. I love I, it. I, I've done it in all my films. <laughs> After dialogue recording, we got it. Let's settle the argument, actually, just for the folks out there, in case they don't know what the fuck ADR is. Let's have a look. Oh, you're on the wrong podcast. If- <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. But there's some. There's some of the audience that may not know. Is ADR. It, is it additional dialogue recording? Is it additional or is it something else? All right. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I've already typed it in. Right, I'm going with after dialogue recording. What's your bet? Oh, additional is like after. It's it wouldn't be audio because dialogue implies audio. So I'm going to say additional dialogue recording. Okay. All okay, right. that's that, definitely not that's it. Definitely <laughs> not it. Alternative um, dispute resolution, American dis- dispository receipt. Maybe type film after it. ADR film. Oh, actually, it's it's a day to remember the band. <laughs> Disrespect your surroundings. <laughs> oh, there it is. Automated. automated dialogue replacement. It's not really automated, is it? Like it's not automated. I disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, you can next, um, like the fucking AI taking credit for us. Oh humans. man, look, I'll just whack it online just so they can see it. Like yeah, it's automated dialogue replacement, apparently. But I, I, I recognise this after dialogue recording. Go to that cl- um, one there, the drop down, the what does ADR mean in production? Uh, oh, where's the drop- oh, this one? Yeah. Does that um, give a better... Automated dialogue replacement. That's what they're saying, bro. Post syncing. Oh, that's... Post syncing. It's not automated, though. Post You're manually not- doing it. It's not automated. It's definitely not automated. I'm sorry, Google, but you're wrong. I fucking <laughs> disagree. But look, look there is certainly um, something to be said uh, for um, uh, the disagreement with the name of the terminology because I, I went through university understanding that it was after dialogue recording. Does mm. that make sense? I assumed it was additional, but for the same reason. It's But it's on the same extra. line. That's yeah. on the same line, right? But automated dialogue recording, um, Google, go fuck yourself. Uh, that's just not true. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you some other things I do. Um, so the very the most finished thing I'll do is, say I have a wide shot of two actors, and it's a staple shot. I'll cut it in half. I'll crop it. A dirty two. And it's two different takes, it's a but dirty it looks two. like one. And that oh, way, dude, and, that, and that will save your ass every time. Well, that way I can improve comedic timing because that way, if the if they take too long to react, I can just have this clip start a bit later and you'll never know and the reaction's quicker. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, uh, look, uh, a good way to describe what you're talking about is, um, you know when you see shots of a dirty two shot but they're both in focus? Mm. Where you go, the focus is not possible and you can see the little blurry line between the two shots. Um, that's where they've done two takes and they've merged the film together to get them both in focus. You could get them in... Oh... But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, Where it's a dirty two-shot. I think shot. there are other ways to do it too, but you, you are right. Like, and I'll do this, not the exact same thing, but similar. Yeah. You know, but it's like two takes to make one shot. That's how you composite it. Yeah. And um, it's well, a great way Well, that's the word. To, it's compositing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, and that's how you can fake that performance a little bit, improve it a little bit. Um, something else I'll do is like, um, there's a great example. In Nobody Likes Camping, I had Neil Cole Hatcart improvise mm. um, this rant about Koshi. And he had... I've yeah. been following him online, by the way. He's uh, been blowing up man, on TikTok. Uh, and yeah, no, and- yeah, on TikTok, he's been doing the um, 
Comedy uh, Untamed shows. The un- yeah, the yeah. Untamed shows, man. They're so good. Fucking ferocious, bro. It's a great show. You go Fucking there ferocious. Pot- he does them in Potts Point. He's got a venue in Western Sydney now. I can't remember whereabouts it is. Okay. Um, But they're so funny. Oh, totally worth checking out, man. Because like, I watch him online a lot. Yeah. they yeah, only yeah. The, Online, he only shows like part of it where it's like the, the Whose Line Is Anyway style different jokes. But they do other games too, like where... They'll do this one where um, they'll take someone's phone and they'll look at their Instagram feed and they'll they'll act out a scene, but they can only read use their captions as, okay. as lines of dialogue. It's so I funny. love that there because it's so this, improv and it's so um, I don't know, it's so raw. Yeah, it's really raw what those guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of opportunities for improv for him in, in that project, but one of the best ones was this Koshi rant he went on, and I just remember debating in the edit. Fuck, I like this line and I like this line. Which one do I use? And then I'm like, I'm going to find a way to do both. And so then I start cutting to Rachel instead of him. And I'm like, oh, we just turn a reaction there. And that way I could take the audio from that take, put it under her reaction. All of a sudden, the sentence is twice as long. Mm. But that way I get two jokes for the price of one. And and I'll do shit like that a lot. Yeah, economics comes into it, man. It really does. Because well, that's, that's time economics and joke economics, right? And narrative economics. Yeah. Well, going back to shit. I, I, I do this with um, cinematographers. Like, if you give me a, um, a single shot and a sweep and a single shot, that means I've got three shots and for one movement. Yeah, you got the beginning, the swipe, and the end. Or yeah, the yeah. Sweep and, and the end. And I can even take the sweep and use that as a transition if I need to. Yeah, or it could be B-roll for later on. Who knows? Totally. Yeah. I can... I can ca- I, I, well, I refer to it as like being a cannibalist. You cannibalize on your own content. Because that's what we do, right? When I'm going to do this long-form content, yeah. I'm going to take bits out of it. I'm going to put it in different places. I'm going to cut it up so that it's um, uh, in a way that uh, is intriguing, yeah. uh, where it's visually um, grabbing. And especially when you do um, uh, genre work, that's that's like the whole thing. Yeah, The whole thing is grabbing people in. You want to, you, 100%. Essentially, you're starting a bar fight and you're trying to drag people <laughs> into it. Well, what I've learned is like from like, oh man, cutting clips for TikTok has made me such a better editor because you have to learn. You've only got, sometimes so you only have a minute. I'm scared of it. I'm scared you, of it. You only have a minute. You only have, you've got half the frame. You're only like the, the like it's vertical. Mm. And then you have to start on something super engaging or you'll notice you'll get better views on the one. So if you start on a question, if you start to cut from there, You'll have way better, in, or something that says the word "you" or address to the audience, way more views than something that doesn't. Really? Because you gotta you gotta hook them within five seconds. If you don't have them within five seconds, you lose them. They'll yeah. just because they can just swipe at any second. Oh, dude, yeah, absolutely. I, I I look at analytics a lot. I really do. And there's patterns that you can see. There's a lot of random randomize randomization. Is that even a word? I don't know. There's, now- there's a lot of randomness to it. Um, they like you can look at different guests and different content. Um, different jokes because like part of the page you train is about you know uh, representing you know Western Sydney artists yep. but a lot of it's about being funny like we want to have a yep. bit of a laugh right there's, there's a comedic fact to it right so there's this comment on society comment on um, what we do as people and the thing that I watch is I can see during content that Jesus so many beers so oh. many oh wow we're late this this fucking guy. This oh, guy. It was that, on silent, bro. You, I swear. Is that you being wrapped up? Is no, that's that's up? actually my go to bed ah. uh, alarm. Because this is Thursday night. Normally, shit on a Friday. But I've got. Well, we're having too much fun, right? Yeah, man. Look, uh, go and check us out. It's uh, uh, um, we're doing an Apple event tomorrow night that the uh, um, Maine the West is a part of. Uh, we're um, uh, channeling uh, artists to go and make this uh, phone content. So. 
be sure to go and check that out. Uh, but what point was I on before I got interrupted by uh, I Dream of Genie? Uh, well, it wasn't R two D two this time. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting crossover there. R two D two and I Dream of Genie. Um, oh, dude, I'm always Larry Tate. Oh, uh, actually, that's bewitched. <laughs> um, you were on. Uh, I can't remember. Sorry, can't ladies remember. and gentlemen. Sorry, I've uh, got to go for a piss anyway. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, going for another piss. Yeah, yeah. You rolling? We, yeah, man. You sure? You hit record? Yeah, man. I've hit record. We're uh, we're and we're back. Right. You we're um, back. So we were talking earlier about um, these different techniques that I've been doing, like all the faking shots and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Not really. This is faking, but um, well, it's filmmaking, right? It is. Well, it's the art of it, and so you would have noticed I've really heavily been diving into comedy a lot these last few years, right? I oh, do, and you've been doing a good job, bro. Yeah, thank you. You really have, man. But, I, um, like, I, I wish the best for you, man. Like, what you guys are doing is fucking mad. <laughs> thank you so much. But he, the reason here's the reason why, right? Well, one of the reasons why. There's a few reasons why, but one of them is. So on she's not your type. One of the ways I was experimenting. It was my first time doing comedy properly. Yeah. Is I wanted to try something called um, alternate takes or alt takes. Yeah. Now, um, I'll yeah, give you an example. You were this before. Alternative yeah, yeah. takes, right? And, and this, like, I've tried shoots without it, tried shoots with it. And when I do shoots with alt takes, first mm. of all, they're the most fun. Mm. And so, I'm going to be honest, a lot of time, they're the most funny. Yeah. And, and this, is how, this is how the process is. I'll, I'll give a she's no type example. Sure, right? sure, sure. Um, there is a setup where, here's a simple one, right? Um, why did you break, uh, why with Barry? Oh, well, first of all, he's got a massive dong check. Really? Now, that's the setup, right? Mm-hmm. Now, she has to give an example of, of how what, big this of appendage how big is. the dick is, yeah. right? So then I was going to say script, appendage, you know, yeah. you, you went straight to Whatever. the crown. <laughs> <laughs> so then, in the script, it's... I, it's I write dirty three comedy. examples. It's dirty but, comedy. <laughs> but the whole point of that section is... Um, it's a setup with infinite punchlines. Mm. It's like, whose lines anyway, Right? Next, so what I did is I had three jokes, but then on the set... That's a good analogy. Whose line is it anyway? Well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, like they, they, they have games that are like a similar sort of idea. It's not the exact same. And um, like I'm not the one who created this. Like A lot of great filmmakers have mm-hmm. uh, implemented this te- technique. But what I would do is like, okay, on the day, um, I, I sprung to the, the girls doing that scene and go, all right, I'm filming another scene and you two aren't in it, but you don't have a break. Mm. Your job is to write the next scene. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, take out your phones... And give me a hundred, as many examples you can think of. Yeah, yeah, right or, off, or, right off the you top. Gotta, these are the jokes you're going to say in the next scene. You've practiced them, I know, but you need to come funnier jokes than me. And they're like, you know, I went off the rides. No, 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 go to the, go, go away. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back, we'll do it. So then we film the scene as normal. I've allocated in the schedule an extra half hour or so, and then we start like, uh, give me the phone, and I start reading them off. And they start listing these funny jokes. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, I then surprise the crew again and go, who can think of a funnier joke? And so the cameraman's pitching in, the sound guy's pitching in. I love it. And so we have a hundred different semi-improvised, like it's not full on improvised, but we came up with it on the spot and we're all laughing. We're all trying to one-up each other. It's a very collaborative experience. Mm. And then um, in some of the early cuts of She's Not Your Type, I had like some of those as outtakes during the credits. Um, yeah, there the, was. Uh, yeah, there was a few. Yeah. Uh, in, now in the latest cut, which were also um, as equally as funny, man. Right? Yeah. yeah, some yeah of totally. Them, you could argue were funnier. In fact, some of them were so great. I broke the the rule of three. A lot of time, I have four or five because I'm like, look, if it's funny and keep getting laughs, I'm gonna keep going. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, in the latest cut, those they're not featured in the film. It's gonna be a separate video release later. With that's even extended and longer with bloopers, outtakes, a deleted scene which no one's seen yet. 
Um, mm. I actually cut out... Watch this space. So where do we find this out, uh, Maddie? Where can we find this film? This will all be at vel- uh, youtube.com slash Films. And uh, pretty much part of the press tour is... She's not your time. Yeah. And part of the press tour is I, I released a teaser. Then I released a trailer, which features uh, the epic voice guy from Screen Junkies Honest Trailers, which is nominated for an Emmy. So that's kind of cool I got him. Yeah. Uh, then the film comes out, which is next week. After that, I'm releasing a behind-the-scenes documentary, which is about 10 minutes long, mm. about almost as long as the film. And then after that, I'm releasing the outtakes and behind the scenes, deleted scenes. Yeah. And then I've got another surprise in Which the works. Which are always the best, man. I think me and you do a great job at doing the behind the scenes. Uh, I love your behind the scenes stuff. Well, I find it... Um, it's intriguing. The problem is, is people don't realize how much work goes into it. And I've always been a big fan of behind the scenes content. Because mm. I like learning about how they do... I, I want to watch a film and go, how do they do that? And I, I, I'll enjoy that stuff. Mm. So for me, it's like... A film is a two-parter. It's a, it's the film behind-the-scenes documentary. Totally. Um, and then, guys, if you're out there listening and you're going, I want to make a short film, um, shoot how you shot your short film because the, it is a window into what we do, and that's intriguing in itself. Like um, some of the, Even the films I've done that are flops, the behind-the-scenes got better reviews oh, yeah. than the film. Totally. But I've had other ones where obviously the film does better and, you know, well, you still have the behind the scenes. But the, the behind the scenes is so valuable. Yeah, well, the problem is with making a short film is how the fuck do you get people to watch it? Nobody wants to watch a short film. It's an interesting it's, conundrum. Yeah, it's because who gives a... F- it's not like a series. It's not a, a movie. There's probably no famous people in your short film. How do you get them to watch it? And one of my ways I try and do it is I release the film and then afterwards I have at least four weeks worth of content that I'm releasing. Each one that... Directs yeah, people back. Yeah, a little with, bit of bites. With Bleeding Backs, bites, I yeah. had a video about how to do a fight scene. Uh, I did another one about the soundtrack. I Mad did... fight scene, though. Yeah. Mad fight scene. That was so fun. <laughs> that was fucking dope, I, I need to do another action one soon. Um, They're fun. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can... Uh, you know what? No, I'm not going to say that on air. No, but... no, no. Don't, 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 don't yeah. uh, bleed your backs right here. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I've, uh, dude, I've, I've had 400 <laughs> ideas for a sequel to Bleeding Backs over the years. One day it'll probably happen. But, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so, so it's all about getting people to, to watch the film. Totally, so, yeah. And so now now that I'm doing stuff for Reels and TikTok, it's like not only do I have the behind the scenes doco, but I can cut 10 clips out of that. And now I've got 10 little mini clips to put out there as well, mm. which I can use to promote either the film or the doco or, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an ecosystem, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, man, the, 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 the alternate takes, they don't have to be a list of shit. Yeah. It can be, um, it can be just one. And um, it's so much more fun and collaborative, and that's part of my favorite part of the filmmaking experience. Great, that's about to die. I'm gonna do it. All right, so we got it. We got the take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got the take. Right. Fallen. All right, so we're back. We right. are back again. Am I in focus? Great. Yeah, Love being in focus, bro. You look good to me. Yeah, yeah. You look good to me too. You always bro. look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but look, let, I know um, uh, we've been plugging it shamelessly, but let's plug it again. She's not your type. Uh, on YouTube and for free. And for free. For free, you can go and check out this absolute onslaught of uh, a, a comedy cornucopia of awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, <laughs> go watch the movie that my mum hates. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, well. She doesn't hate it. She goes, it's not, it's not my type of humor. And I'm like, that means it's a good movie. <laughs> oh, dude, like I can't That's sing fun. enough praises. Like really, um, as I said, like I said earlier in the show, the audience reaction from that film 
was absolutely electric. Dude, I can't I, describe it any other way. I had a phone recording that someone did of the whole screening of Man in the West. And you can mm. hear the laughs. You can't hear the screen sometimes because the laugh's so big. And I can't fucking find it. And now that I'm ready to fucking promote the film, I wanted to just like, release this video uncut and be like, look, listen to the audience laughs. And I don't fucking have it anymore. And it's killing me. Oh, dude. <sighs> oh, it's, de- it's devastating. But look, yeah. man, I can certainly say when you go, when people go and watch this film, it's it sells itself. This film is absolutely amazing and I can't plug it enough because, man, it is literally a masterpiece. And you've, you. And you've done it um, as an experiment. That's the, that, I think that, that authenticity leaks through. Uh, no, it, 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 it fucking floods through. Um, uh, it is uh, an absolute onslaught of comedy and I, I, I talk about this film a lot with people. I use it as a yardstick to go, man, this is how you can do it right. Um, Thank you so much. Oh, but look, within that in that token, man, we both have had the experience of um, bombing on stage, <laughs> um, and we've made films that didn't make it. I've done but, some flops, yeah. Yeah, but man, this film is fucking the shit, and uh, people should watch it. Go and check it out. Oh, thanks, yeah. buddy. Yeah, man. Thanks for the 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 plug. Thanks yeah, for- man. It's honest plug. It's an yeah. honest plug, man. It's an honest plug for a fucking really genuine film. Honestly, I, I can't believe the feedback it's getting. Um, when I was getting in these reviews and stuff, like, that's why I wanted to make that trailer that sort of highlights the the reviews and all that stuff that that we just put out because mm. it's like it's kind of hard to believe it, you know. Yeah. And it's like I need a place to to store all this feedback because it's it's amazing. But even the stuff I have I've heard off screen too, like yeah, I, dude, one of the best emails I've gotten was um, it won this. I won a directing award in Austin, Texas. And yeah, the, that's and, right. I, and I, this, yeah. I wasn't able to go there, um, unfortunately. But the email I got, he's just like, "Dude, this the, it was it rocked the cinema. Uh, the la- uh, people wouldn't stop laughing. They literally will fall out of their seat. Yeah. I'm telling you, and you will guy, fall out of your fucking chair watching this shit. And he's like, "How did the hell did you film the pizza scene without laughing? I'm like, oh no, we laughed the whole way through. Like, yeah, that was take seven because we had to get the crew under control. The, there's literally a shot in the. There's a few shots where I've actually had to zoom it in. Because Luke was like shaking the camera from laughing. Because that scene, here's the thing about that the pizza scene. It was about four lines of dialogue in the script, mm. but we just kept going. Like we, it was. It's the only scene that's fully 100 percent, almost purely improvised. Because well, I don't want to give too much away, going. but it's the shit on the pizza scene. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's get straight to it. You've got to check it out. I'm not giving too much away by saying no. it, but um, the shit on the pizza scene, man. Because you're like, sorry, you don't see any shit. You yeah. don't see. It's not that graphical, kids. Yeah. But um, you certainly, like, that's at a point in the film where you've already been, like, literally kicked in the balls with laughter <laughs> for, like, a continuous six minutes before you even get there. You know the crazy thing about that scene? The craziest mm. thing about that scene? I wasn't meant to be in it. I didn't write it for myself. Oh, didn't you? No, no. I, I, I've always been under the school of thought that I'm not, like... Real, I'm not classically trained actor. I'm not pretty enough to be a to be an actor. Oh, I can't be in it. Classical. So, so I, I wrote the you scene. You didn't go to NIDA, is what you're telling me. I didn't me. go to NIDA. I'm not, I'm not to, cool to enough for You didn't go to Whopper. No. Didn't go to Whopper? I, went, I went nowhere. I'm just I'm just a fucking idiot who's a Whopper or Whopper. I don't know. Doesn't, I'm just an idiot who doesn't get embarrassed that much. Um, or when he should actually. But yeah, um, I I wrote the scene and then I was casting people and um, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't want to hold auditions because most of my cast. There were people that I wanted to work with for a while. I've mm. always, I always knew I wanted to do something with Adrienne. Yeah. And when I wrote this role for a girl, I was like, like second straight away, I'm like, oh, I'll do Adrienne. Shane, uh, who plays Barry in the film, I did a film 
many, many years ago, which didn't get released. I was the first AD, and the stars was him and this girl, Caitlin, who went in, who I got back for Bleeding Backs. Yeah. And when I did that film, I said, one day, I'm going to cast these two in another film. And I got Caitlin for Bleeding Backs, and now she's just fucking killing it. And then I got Shane for She's Not Your Type. Yeah. And oh, I almost didn't get him. Like His agent told him not to do the film. Mm. And and then he's he comes back to me, and like, I'm sorry, Shane, I hope you're okay with me saying this. <laughs> but he comes back, and I'm like, oh, man, he would have been the perfect for this part. I wrote it with him in mind. And he comes back to me like a week later, and he's like, Screw it. I'm going to do the film anyways. I love it. And I'm like, oh my God. I thought he wouldn't do it too. Cause, uh, uh, he's, well, your agent. You're going to listen to your agent. Right? Uh, well, he's, he, well, maybe not. Because I, I knew he, <laughs> he his agent was trying to push him for like rom-com type roles anyways. But like more clean cut type, you know, clean stuff. Yeah. And um, so obviously it's not it. But he's like, dude, I just love these type of roles. Like they're yeah, but fringe is built for him. He's but so good. fringe is cutting edge. Like yeah. that's what people forget. So like sometimes the fringe can be blunt and, yeah. and, it, and it doesn't go anywhere because it's just a blunt object. Yeah. But sometimes it's quite sharp and it can really like cut through. Mm. And I think what we're talking about here is a film that I think if it got the right press and if it got the right um, momentum, it would lift your profile enough to do another film. Maybe not exactly the same, but Exa- is maybe perhaps of that same onslaught like impact of laughter I'm really hoping so like honestly if, if this film does good enough um, I'll do a feature out of it I'll do or I'll do a series I've dude had the it's ideas. totally possible man like that that motherfucking film has motherfucking legs bro I'm telling you <laughs> what, what I've learned it fucking does what I've learned about comedy from my last few projects especially is comedy you really need to have the characters it can't the scene the situation can't be the funny thing mm. it needs to be the characters like, like Rick and Morty, if it was about a, a grandpa and a son who just went on space adventures, it wouldn't be it. But the characters, it's the voices, it's the personality, it's their flaws, it's mm. the fact that, you know, this guy's a fuck, he thinks he's smarter than everyone, and then he gets one-upped by this dorky little grandson of his sometimes. That's the character. That's the yeah. funny part, right? It's more than just the situation. So you've got to create the characters um, and the dynamic and then let the jokes fall into place. Oh, and, and the background narrative as well. Like, if you think about the... Um, if you think about, like, Back to the Future, right? Because that's what yeah. really what it's based on. Yeah, it right? was, uh, it was, it was uh, Doc and Marty. Yeah, Doc and Marty, stuff. right? It's this Doc and Marty idea. And, like, you would know... If, 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 you know, most people would say... That's a movie you can't remake. You can't remake Back to the Future. People are very passionate about that, you yes. You can't remake it. But these, these guys have gone and remade it in a way that is totally psychedelic beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Well, they made it their own. Like, they actually have a rule. They, they, out of the only sci-fi concept they won't touch is time travel, mm. which is what Back to the Future is. Um, How ironic. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but they, they, you know, they made it their own. They've, they've taken some stuff and they went with it. For, for She's Not Your Type, I'll, I'll admit, I was, I, was, I was actually inspired by a sitcom character that, no one... I've, I've never met a person who's seen this show. All right. It's called The League. And there's this... My favorite comedic actor of all time is a guy called Jason Manzoukas. Okay. And he plays scumbag characters all the time. Okay. Right? Um, he's the scummiest dude. All the shows he's been in, he's always the douchebag, right? And I was like, I love how over the top it is. But I was just like, I've never seen a female that play a role like this before. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, fuck. What if that's your girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And then, and then eventually I came to the idea of, like, I've been off in the third wheel. I've been the guy who, you know, and he gets a bit love blind. It's like, what if you just don't realize this person's a scumbag? And then, just, <laughs> and it's like, and then I'm like, and then so literally it's how I wrote the film. 
I wrote most of it in a single sitting, honestly. Yeah. I was like to myself, okay, well, what would be the scummiest things a girlfriend could do? And that's when I started writing, okay, deals drugs to kids, mm. uh, you know, is a serial killer. Yeah, how shit can this shit. be? Yeah. And, then, and then as I wrote them, I just realized, oh, these are just scenes. Each jo- each thing that's bad is a scene. And so the film fucking mostly wrote itself. Mm. Eventually, I went to some crazy parts I didn't expect, like the pizza scene. Mm. Um, but... <laughs> that's it but yeah check it out kids it's fucking hilarious but that cast man like and like uh, even Zoe was someone I did some with ages ago like the whole cast it just fell together and I just knew it would come together well but when it came to that customer it wasn't spo- I, supposed to be me but then I was, I was getting tired of getting everybody and Tyler having all my films and eventually I was like fuck I just need someone to be loud I'm like I'm fucking loud it's only one scene and yeah, history was yeah. made. And now, now I act in a lot of shit I do. Oh, um, dude, um, I totally uh, dig it. Like I, I, I was always someone that was, ironically, like I'm, like I love being on a stage, but when it came to film, I love being behind a camera. Yeah. But then I started doing work in front of the camera, and I go, oh man, I see the interchangeable <laughs> ideas of this. Like a lead actor is a director, mm-hmm. and a director is a lead actor. Dude, I the thing is though, like the problem with acting and directing it's so much harder because you can't see it so it's hard to envision how it is you've got to trust Plus, your DOP myself. that's yeah, trusting that's, your DOP that's the thing and I find that so challenging one of director my, of uh, photography kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of my most recent sketches that I did because I've been I've been doing sketches on YouTube because one it means I can pump things out quicker without mm. the, the worry but two I can experiment more and figure out I'm trying to figure out the science to comedy I love the fucking mm. nerdy shit of how you structure a joke how you make something funny my most recent ones, um, just parody of the block. Um, yeah, man, I got to like, uh, I got to feature in that. For yeah, you, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. yeah thank you vo- for that. Yeah, man, did some I, voice acting for you. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. fuck, who, who, who has a? I was like, fuck, I need some of the microphones. Like, oh, fucking Ross, of course. <laughs> Ross loves doing shit like this. I, t- I totally do, man, because I gave you like what three, four versions of it. Oh, and I know. love that you went crazy with the last few takes too. Um, yeah, and I well, think and one of them actually made it as a result. Yeah, no, I did one as a safe. Yeah. Do the safe ones and then do the uh, crazy ones. Well, yeah, that, yeah. For any actor out there, like especially doing comedy, that's what you should do. Give the director what they want. And then if you if you have time, if it allows, then do some extra crazy. Because um, they they might use it. Um, and do some, you know, if you think it works to your advantage or whatever. Um, yeah, but with, with comedy, it's always about pushing to the next. How extra can you go? Yeah, yeah. So, how, so those extra how takes... How crazy can we get? Yeah. Those extra... Like, uh, most of the time, a lot of extra takes I do, they don't get used. They don't see the light of day. But, like, the ones that do make it through are often some of my favorite shots of the whole film, totally. you know? So, it's always worth it. Um, if you've got a set, give yourself some extra time to do an extra punchline. Mm. Um, even if it's through, like, ADR, like you did, Ross. Um, those extra takes are just... That's where the that's where the gold is. Oh, that space time. though, that ADR space, like I really, um, like because I've had experiences as a director where you like you're pushing a performance and you're doing that um, with uh, technical uh, apparatus and a uh, and a on stage apparatus, you know, actors versus the technical that pulls it all together, and then you take that content and you edit it. I've had those experiences, but the soundscape edit is usually the one go, that, that goes by the uh, the wayside, right? Uh, like you, people don't consider their soundscapes; they don't like they think about t- cinematography as a visual um, deal. And what really couples with cinematography is sound. Mm. And I, when I do voice acting, like even Foley, man, Foley, I'm reacting 
what the actor did. Yeah. And no one will ever know. They won't ever know. That's the part I love about it. Are you are you full going like um, Fox Studios uh, yeah. with the weapon style where you're you're sitting in the space where I do it you've got, a, you've got someone it. holding a mic and you'll be doing the action yeah man yeah, yeah you're sitting in the space where I do it um, can, I, can I ask you what makes you do that over finding sound effects online for example oh, and, and just editing them oh, um, complexity nuance um, specificity you know like specificity specificity yeah. being specific <laughs> uh, no the, the, there's nuances like with, like um, a good example I use with people is um, a leather jacket okay so that's wear- a, okay so that, that, that's that's an interesting one because so before you go on guys like the, the reason that's important is um, let's say if you were to ADR a, a track of someone wearing a leather jacket and they just do this you're you going to hear that leather jacket you didn't hear the leather move and if you don't hear it for I, for, I don't know if the average viewer would hear it, but as a filmmaker, I'm going to fucking notice the fuck out of that. Yeah, but a viewer... And that's the shit that... A viewer, that if, you, if you remove it, the viewer will notice. If you put it in, Probably. the viewer won't appreciate it. Yeah, so... It, that's the bizarre part so, of it. So, I'm, I'm guessing you're saying like, you'll put on a leather jacket, you'll, you'll do the Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. That's important, yeah. And I'll good. put it over a chair that's similar. Like, so, like, I did one for... Um, big shout out to RBM, Rachel Bell Myers. She did her um, uh, Three Feet Deep. Um, she comes to me and she goes, Ross, I want you to build the entire soundscape. I'm like, the entire, like I get excited. I'm like, yeah. you mean the entire soundscape? Like, and I said, just give me some guide tracks. But when she recorded it, she didn't have any record on. No soundtrack at all. Ah. And I, yeah, yeah, so you go, oh, but you know what, what, what but you, it's that an film, opportunity. It's an opportunity. Film, though, you have a little bit of a safety net because if, correct me if I'm wrong, um, there's no fully quiet scenes, right? It's it's no no music's going through a lot of it. Yeah, it's music and it's, driven and it's, and it's driven it's by narration. Narration, as well. right? Yeah. But then I like so I, you get you have these safety of creating an entirely fake world because the way the story's yeah. told is not super authentic. I, I had quote a unquote. I had a pit of dirt in this space. Fuck yeah, digging holes, right? Like <laughs> I was putting my like my, I had a little spade that I was putting into dirt and recording that sound. That's cool. So you can go, well, I can go and find the sounds of digging yeah. online. But when I do the action of the actor, I can actually do it to their direction. Their, their movement, their speed. Their even the angle yeah. of the dirt will make a different sound than how you do it otherwise. So I, I, I literally build it from the ground up. Even when they, like, they're getting packages from underneath like benches, mm. like I would make a piece of paper that was wrapped with paper inside it and record removing it from yeah. a plank of wood. So I would actually record the whole lot. Yeah. I've never been in that situation before because I've never done a project where I've had no sound, I don't think. I no oh, guide track. No guide track yeah, at all. Because, tr- yeah, well, you wouldn't even know... The challenge with that is... 1800 sounds looking- is the answer to the question. <laughs> when you look at a scene... You've got to figure out six what's minutes, missing. Six minutes, 1,800 sounds. Like, when you watch that shot, you've got to figure out what's missing. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you've got to think about... So, yeah, maybe you need some cicadas in the background. Maybe you need some stuff. Maybe you need an airplane. Who knows? But, like, you can look at it... Well, the I can imagine ones. the moments where you're looking at it and going, something's missing, but what is it? Well, and without a guide track, you've got nothing to look for. You've got nothing to look for. And this is where it gets That's really... This is where it gets really... No, but it's, it's intriguing in a way because mm. it's a challenge, right? You have to be real in a fake space. You have to be real in a fake space, right? So um, you you would build these sounds, and you have the the the, the challenge with audio editing is what they refer to as um, diegetic and non-diegetic sounds. Yeah. 
So diegetics is the sounds that happen within a scene. Footsteps, uh, hands on guardrails, leather jackets. Sounds we hear in real life. Yeah. And then you've got the God radio. The, uh, the, you know, the The sound effects, the, um, the, you know, maybe if you think of an idea, ding, and they have a light bulb, that doesn't happen in real life. Yeah. So that'd be non-diegetic, Yeah, but there's an intersection though. So non-diegetic intersects with diegetic. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I did a horror film recently. No, not recently. A couple of years ago, actually, pre-COVID. <laughs> Feels COVID brain. Jesus. Um, but there was a. I was a horror film where they had a a knife in a uh, breadboard, mm. and they pulled the knife out. When you pull a knife out of a breadboard, it doesn't make any sound. But if you pull a knife out of a breadboard, you want it to go shing. Yeah. You want the sound of the metal you, and you anticipate the sound of the metal. The audience expectation is that it'll make a sound even though it won't. It doesn't make a sound. And you've got to live up to the audience expectations and, version of reality. Another great example of it is computers, right? When you watch computers in film, it's, it's keyboards, it's like... People rarely type that loud, but you expect to hear it when you see them on screen. When was the last time you heard a modem? Like, uh, <laughs> but you will, see, you will hear it in <laughs> film. Um, and the, the keystrokes, like most keyboards are quiet now. Well, another way to go about it too is, um, for example, Ooh. my computer will sound like a jet engine and shh, that's the sound I expect. Render, I'm watching a rendering, movie, yeah. render, I call it render, Brenda. Yeah. <laughs> but in a movie, you wouldn't expect to hear that. You'd, you'd find it distracting probably. Like, what is that noise? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's d- not relevant to the that's, storytelling. That's actually really, in, um, intriguing. Um, the sound of a fan going on a computer, you don't hear that in, in film. Yeah, and it's because, I'd, I would assume it's because um, when you're making a film, you're not, you should not be trying to emulate reality. You shouldn't be trying to make it exactly the same. You should be trying to make it better than reality. Yeah, that's, that's right. Why, that's why we have camera it's, angles and different lenses to make people look better. It's, it's a hyper-reality. Yeah. It's totally a hyper-reality. And that's how you have to look at Foley. It's a hyper-reality. It, it goes back to the storytelling of editing. Like, if right now, if we're doing a scene and I walk out the door, you don't want... Um, I know when it comes to dialogue, screenwriters call it shoe leather. Shoe leather is... Hello? Okay, thank you. Love you too. Bye. In films, what you do, you cut out the hello. You go... I need you to go to this place. Yeah. And then they, you never see... When was the last time you saw a movie and they say goodbye? Or I love you too. See, they don't. They, don't they, do either, they either hung up straight away or they, or they cut to the next scene. And you might be like, well, Matt, like that's not realistic. It's like, but the audience doesn't want to see that. You're wasted three seconds of my time by saying goodbye, see you later, I'll see you next week. I refer to this as film compression. You know when you watch a film uh, when suspension of um, disbelief erodes? Because you go, well... How would they be in the lobby and find the dossier of the person they were looking for that was related in an hour's time in the film? So you need to take a scene and you need to put five things in the scene so that the audience has the narrative. Yeah. So you've got to compress time. Or, or so film, if you want film to be- is in, in, incredibly yeah. compressed. There's very few films that do it. Like, like there's one that. Um, but it's also uh, why waste the audience's time? Well, there's you know? one. There's you, one- when you can just cut to the next scene and have the person go, I've got the file. Yeah, well... Or I went through hell to get this, but there's the file. Well, there's some films that do it in real time. Uh, I, I, I recommend a film called The Nick of Time, which is uh, with Christopher Walking, Johnny Depp, where it's actually an hour and a half of an actual hour and a half. It's an hour and a half of his life. It's in real time. So most films, like they'll even use in sci-fi, right? They'll go in sci-fi 
five years later or six months before. They'll actually actually put text on the screen to take you back to a time because they need that so they need that visual and um, narrative cue to go this is where I'm compressing time. Another way they do it is the flashback. The flashback is very famous. Like we will have a narrative that's running and then we go, but now we're going back to his childhood. And usually it's in a different um, texture. It's usually more um, uh, vibrant. So the scenes that yeah. are of the past are more vibrant. They'll color grade it differently. They'll throw on a, a filter. It'll have a whatever. different yeah. light. It'll have a different grade on it so that the audience can actually have color correction cues. Yeah. Well, I, I love that type of stuff, by the way. Like, well, like the Matrix, how they do like the real world in blue and the Matrix is yeah, green. Oh. And you can see that they're different spaces. And they didn't do that in the new one and it fucking pissed me off. Dude, I love the new one. I love the new You're one. You're the only person on the planet who I likes I love the new, the new one. one. I know. I know it's an unpopular idea. What I do you love... like about it? I, I'm sorry. So the Matrix <laughs> is my favorite film of all time. I even like the sequels and most people hate the sequels. The sec- well, if you look... What you need to do when you look at the new Matrix uh, film... You like the meta aspect. Is that it? Totally. Uh, yeah, yeah that, look... that sounds like a Ross thing. Yeah. Okay. If you look at the Animatrix... Have you seen the Animatrix? Love the Animatrix. Right. So if you look at the Animatrix in contrast with the new film, then it has more uh, legs. Like you've, you've got to look at it as a new version. Like I remember like... I, I, like for instance, when the second Matrix came out, I had a very close friend of mine going, it's just like a computer game. I go, listen to yourself. (laughs) It is a computer game. So when you look at at, it as software, of course there's a different version of it. And and that's what the the fourth Matrix is. It's a different version with a different uh, architect. And that architect is figuring out ways to get higher output out of humans by tormenting them further. And it plays into the narrative of torturing humans while they're in this pod. And they've got, they've got these two humans. Spoiler alerts. Um, yep. um, they've got these two humans that when they link them together, it's devastating for the program. But they just keep them the right distance apart so that they can exploit the program. And he was always going to break out because that's the whole, that's the whole tension of the story. The, the, it's a love out. story. Um, yeah, yeah, but look, I must say this about the Matrix, uh, the new Matrix film. If you look at um, uh, feminist movements, for instance, or yeah. uh, or um, uh, transsexual, or, 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 or um, uh, not not transsexual, maybe I've got that wrong. Sorry, um, transgender is a better way to yeah. phrase that. Um, uh, if you look at these movements, uh, they usually try to retrofit an idea on top of another idea. I'll give an example, like. Um, trying to make a female James Bond, right? Because mm. it, like it's always that, been a male. That's been topical conversation. Yeah, for yeah, a black totally. James Bond, yeah, yeah, black James Bond. You know, to to push it to a minority. I think the real answer to these narratives is actually to be original, and it actually states it in the Matrix. Even though the Marin Vinci goes, it used to be about better stories, yeah. and these are other ideas that were way better than this version but, of the but, Matrix. But don't you hate the fact that they are using the Matrix? franchise as a platform to push this social commentary that the others did not do like it's oh. not it's not true to the original voice of the original trilogy oh, i think that the idea that trinity flies in that film instead of neo because then neo's been suppressed yeah. by programming and it was actually love of trinity no no that's all great i'm saying i think it's quite an original idea it's quite giving, an original idea but giving but giving so giving commentary on Hollywood is so off topic to before what it was about topics on society and 
and revolutions. And now you're also trying to, I feel like it was just a lazy way to, it was a lazy way to sort of prevent themselves from feedback and, I think that's a harsh outlook on it. I, I, look, I dig what, I, look, I dig what I you're saying, problems, but I think it's a harsh I, honestly, outlook my, on it. My biggest problem with it is uh, the fight scenes. Um, oh, I do the, have to the, agree with you. They they lacked muster. Yeah. They like, did. Like, I know, like, so with the original lacked trilogy... Luster, not muster, yeah, but luster. They, they were. And like the original trilogy obviously had... Um, so that, that the the Wachowskis didn't shoot the original fight scenes. They had a B team, like an action team, and they had they flew in this guy. From, oh, revolutionary, um, revolutionary team! Oh, by the yeah. way, like and, 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 and it's and been emulated. Yeah, like Trinity oh, yeah. standing up in the air, like million standing, times. Yeah, like it's been parodied. It's so iconic so and so much, great. Yeah. Right, but like, I, look, I think Lana Wachowski is a talented director, but like even she knows. She knows the concepts of long takes because she's done them in other mm. stuff. She knows the concepts that like fight scenes work with lots of wide shots. And in this, they're using really fast cutting to hide the fact that performers didn't know the choreography very yeah, well. Yeah, it's what the they're Transformers doing... do. It's what it's what Transformers do. If you look at the Transformers content, it's always very close in yeah. to like um, uh, cut cost on CGI. They're the, 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 the also cheap. With, with live action, when you do um, performances, if your actors don't know the full it's hard to rehearse a full fight scene and remember every move and do long takes. Totally. So man. what do you do? You cut into small parts with I mean, only I mean, three I mean, punches I mean, and then you do different takes of that and I'm, you have a million takes and then it gets choppy and it's hard to follow through. Oh, dude, on a small scale, I've worked with Maria Tran, big shout out, um, uh, Phoenix Eye Productions, man, doing choreography to do fight scenes. Super hard, man. I've done it on a really small scale. Oh, yeah. And it's super challenging. A lot of fun, but super yeah. challenging. One of the most um, famous examples I can think of of like bad fight choreography, um, there was a Netflix show called Iron Fist. It was meant to be... Yeah. They had these like Netflix Marvel shows and um, Iron Fist is meant to be the martial arts expert. He's meant mm -hmm. to be the best martial arts in the Marvel world mm -hmm. and they get this actor on board because he's from Game of Thrones and like, oh, he'll do it. Turns out he hates rehearsing for choreography. He doesn't want to do it. And so they literally have one second takes him throwing a punch and then they'll cut to the next thing because he refused to learn the choreography in the day. And so a fight scene will have a million takes, but a really good, well-directed fight scene well, I only have a couple. Like yeah, Jackie Chan. Again, you got to get that film yeah. compression down. Yeah, Jackie yeah. Chan's a great example, yeah. man. Well, he, he'll, he'll. Um, I remember watching this thing I about Russia. Again, behind the scenes. Yeah. The only reason we know this is because of behind the scenes. Oh, content. for sure. And for he, sure. he's an absolute legend, and he's oh, one yeah. of my. He's one of the guys. He's who inspired a fucking me to god, be a bro. He's a goat. He's a total goat. He's he's one of my idols, and um, I remember hearing. Uh, I think it was like that. Uh, I think it was Brett Ratner, the director of Russia, mm. um, when Jackie Chan was sort of explaining the way that they would film fight scenes in Hong Kong. Completely different to what Hollywood do at the time. Hollywood, you know, you shoot a master, then you shoot um, this shot, then you shoot the reverse of that. Yeah, yeah, the economical yeah. approach to shooting. Yeah, Jackie Chan's like, no, you only need one shot, which is if everyone knows their moves and they know the stuff, you can capture all in one take. And that's like one, I mean, it's not the whole fight scene, but it's like this segment of the fight scene. And then, I don't know, someone gets kicked through a window. So then you go to the next shot out there and then you do the whole fight scene in one take out there. And that's why you watch like a really good martial art fight scene, mm. very few takes. Oh, dude, like, like you're talking about Jackie Chan, man. Like I did uh, the film with Maria Tran and she's yeah. trained by Jackie Chan yeah, and yeah. she fucking handed my ass to me, bro. How much how much uh, rehearsal did you do for the fight scenes? Was that oh, like on day or was that No, 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 no. It was maybe about 4 or 5 days. Oh uh, shit. Yeah, okay, you did yeah, a lot. Yeah. Was that including the creating the choreography and all that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah she had um uh, fight 
uh, choreographers and uh, we had to Oh, do- so she didn't choreograph? No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay. no. Um, uh, we, yeah, no, she's got a great team. She's yeah. got a great team. And we would rehearse the scenes. And she, the funny thing with me, like the reason she recruited me to do that film was because I do martial arts, right? And you had like, I think I know the story, she saw you had like a sword or something. Yeah, and I was doing yeah. carters, right? I was doing carters. I, I watched the podcast, Ross. I was doing carters with her and she's like, do you want to be in my movie? I'm like, fuck off. Whatever. Was it these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, long story short, um, I actually got taught martial arts by a bikey oh, uh, that yeah. I was friends with um, a long time ago. <laughs> Um, no, serious because I, I was a special forces dude, and he was a yeah, bikey. Nah. We had a we had a really genuine, heartfelt relationship. It wasn't uh, it wasn't nefarious in any way. It was just uh, he was a cool dude, and I was a cool dude, and that was it, right? Uh, it was only until later I'm like, oh man, well, you're an underworld character. I didn't know that. Oh uh, fuck. Uh, we just shared time, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, we we did fitness together, and uh, yeah, he taught me carters, and when you learn certain carters, you can e- easily expand. And uh, yeah, it's on me. Good, good, good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I did Carters with him, and uh, that expanded my universe of how to do uh, what they, you know you refer to as figure eights. It's the wax on, wax off deal, right? When you do different weapons, where from nunchucks to katana to uh, bow to uh, size, they're interchangeable. And then you spar with people, and you can have that all these different interchange. Like I, I'll do like nunchucks versus bow, and see how that goes. Oh, okay. And then I'll do Katana versus Bow. Like, or, and then Bow versus Bow. And like, when you watch The Matrix, for instance, right, you'll see like Neo, he pulls the light post out. No, not the light post, but a sign post of yeah. some kind out. Does all of these theatrical like spins. When you actually do Carters, they're actually quite boring. Like, to, to attack an opponent yeah. is quite direct and quite quick. It's not theatrical in nature. Oh, yeah. And that's that's a whole point of like... um. You gotta telegraph your moves. Like Bruce Lee would often do things where like yeah. he's gotta move his head way further back than it needs to go so you can actually see the fucking movement on screen. Yeah. And that's part again of going back to, to hyper reality for You it. have to accentuate it, yeah. And Maria was like saying to me, like, Ross, you're fighting me. I'm like, Yeah, but that's what you hired me for. You want me to fight you? You're like, Yeah, but I need you to kink your elbows yeah. out because what you're doing is a full guard. Yeah. It's gotta be a dance. Yeah, yeah. You you need to be more deliberate. I yeah. go, but I wouldn't cock my elbows out because then it would announce the throw that I'm going to do. Like if Yeah, like, in reality... In reality, if I was fighting you and I cock my elbow out, you yeah. know that, that it's coming. But in you film, know? you need to announce it for the audience to understand what's going That's on. That's right. If the movement's too quick, you're not going to see it, you're not going to comprehend it. Theatrical, That's a big problem yeah. with Steven Seagal. Um, his, his fighting style was... Uh, was a, 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 a capita. Basically, it was... I can't remember what it's called, but it's... A keto. Um, keto, yeah. Where it's um, it's actually meant to be about defending from swords, and so it's not very uh, translatable. Yeah. yeah, it's not translatable. It's, yeah. it's very practical um, for certain scenarios. Oh, dude! But, I must yeah. say, like with bow attacks, like when you do, if you're sparring with someone with a bow, like a bow is a staff, by the way. I've got one. Where is one? I've Donatello one from the Ninja Turtles. It's got, I've got it around it's here. It's the somewhere. Donatello weapon. It's around here somewhere. I can't. Oh, shit! I've got to find my bow. Oh, there it is. There. It's behind you, actually, against the uh, bookcase there. There's my bow. That's my bow. You can see the dents in it. See the dents in it? There we go. Oh, hold on. Let me switch it over. There we go. There's the bow there. Uh, you can see the dents in it. That's where I've been sparring. Um, it's actually quite... Um, yeah, when you fight with a bow... Take that. 
Be yeah, more no, interesting. But <laughs> seriously, like when you fight with a bow, like it can be quite devastating. But usually it's a sweep the leg kind of deal. And yeah. um, it's not, you know, sweep the leg and attack attack the head. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having way too much fun over here. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a Chinese bow. So the Japanese do it as a hard staff. That, like Japanese use it as a staff, but the, the Chinese, they do it as a bow. The audio listeners are, are missing out because they are seeing some real sweet kung fu. Yeah, but look, no, seriously, check out the ends of it. Like, can you see the dints? Like, oh, have a look at the surface area of the, of the bow. Which you can see how many fights I've had with it. Ah, oh, this one's pretty. Here. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, you can see it. You can see it there. You can see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see uh, the. Yeah, I've had, a, had a few fights with that yeah. thing. Master Splinter taught me how to use this well. I do. Like you can oh. be totally theatrical with it. Like, don't get me wrong. You can do spins, and you like you can you can make it like uh, look really pretty. But if you're actually fighting someone with it bow to bow, um, yeah, just throw it. Throw it. You'll be right. Throw it. Ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> ah, she'll be right. It's totally, it's totally bowed that up. Um, yeah, no. But it, when you fight someone with it, it doesn't look pretty. It's quite yeah. boring. It really is. You just remind me of the story. Uh, literally, it's happened about a month ago or so. I was a groomsman at my mate's wedding, and uh, the night before, we went out um, on the town and stuff. And for some reason, Brazilian martial arts came up. We go, oh, you mean capoeira? I, mm. I actually um, did capoeira for. Uh, like six months or something when I was like a kid. That's a bit hardcore, yeah. yeah um, because I thought it was cool. Me and my mate did it. We were given like these Brazilian fighting names. I was mm. Prea. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. What does it mean? Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, how you say it? it's a, it's like a guinea pig because you look like a guinea pig. I'm like, fuck me, dad. I thought it was a cool name. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I he, thought that was boss, and he, it turns out you're taking the piss out he, of me. He trolled us with these like <laughs> Brazilian names that sounded cool, but they were like shit. Like my mate was Zuada. I'm like, that's so cool. It's not nah, it means noise because apparently I talk too much. Like fuck. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> and my, my mate's like, oh, you know, bullshit. You know, couple, you know, Brazilian martial arts. No, I'll show you. Look like this. How you guard yourself? You do this. And you gotta like always be moving. You gotta do like this little dance thing. And I'm yeah. on the street, and then I just fucking elbow some Russian dude behind me who looks like Vladimir Putin. And they're like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And I, he's probably like, was like, Vladimir Putin. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. And yeah. my mate's like, "Fuck, you really do know Brazilian martial arts?" <laughs> like, yeah. No, I'm just a dickhead. Oh, look, yeah. uh, look. There's a. Um, I, I've I, I've learned the that there's a um, martial arts in Scotland. Have you heard about this? Scottish martial arts. Yeah, Scottish um, martial arts, man. It's called Fuck You! Because <laughs> it's mostly of headbutting uh, and uh, kicking people and over on the ground. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, you know, like, some martial arts have like these sacred weapons like nunchucks and bows and staffs. And, no, they just have beer bottles and there's glassy with it. Oh, they're broken beer bottles, yeah. let's be clear. Broken beer bottles. Broken beer bottles, let's be clear. Yeah. But, man, I think we've reached the end. Um, <sighs> man, we're totally at the end. I think we're almost I'm three hours in. having a good time. I could, I could talk about so much more Oh, things. dude, I'm having a mad time, but uh, we've got to let our audience off the hook, man. We've got to get, we've got to get them to Fuck go you to guys. Nah, that's right. Fuck I, you guys. Don't forget to subscribe. A, yeah, I had such a great time, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, oh, dude. And let me plug the thing. So, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. Well, before, before you plug the thing, just allow me to thank you. Uh, I've been on a journey with you, man, and um, we've been on a journey together. Um, we met in the hallway in a, at a university <laughs> and we've released films that have won, that have lost. Um, we've performed on stage where we've won and we've lost. Jesus, yeah. man. You've got another shot right there. Um, yeah, no, we've won and lost together and like, um, I, I would consider you not just a friend but a comrade and oh. um, we're, we're in the mosh pit together, man, trying to, <laughs> trying to make ourselves seen to do, the, to do the right thing and do the good thing by everyone around us and I really appreciate you, Matt. I really do. 
Likewise, man. Likewise, man. It is a, um, it's a friendship. It's a partnership. It's, it's, um, we have been on a journey together. It's crazy to see, uh, watching the growth of Made in the West yourself and, and, and how we've done things. And it's and we're I, winning, man. We're winning. I was having a conversation. It's I, great to win. I, I, I promise I'll be quick, but I was having a chat to my girlfriend the other day about one of my mates. She's like, isn't your friendship a bit transactional? And I thought about it. It, it, it dug to me for a while because it's right. Because we're collaborators, but we're mates as well, right? Deep. And then I started thinking, I'm like, fuck, nearly all my friends are, friend, my, my favorite friendships are transactional, you know, because we're creatives and stuff. And I'm thinking, fuck, is this, is this bad? Do I have fake friends? Is this what? It's like, no, no, no. It's like us creatives, we have goals in life and we have things that make us passionate. And so we're drawn to other people who have that. And so if we can create art with those people, mm. even if it's something like a podcast, like that's so important to us. And we need those people to thrive. I can put it another way for you, Matt. Like you can say that it's transactional, but I could say to you this. If I dropped everything that I was doing right now and go, forget the, the festival, forget the company, forget the podcast, you know, forget pursuit of art outright. Yeah. And I ran into you in five years' time, we would pick up exactly where we left off. It is timeless, our friendship. We would. So it's not just transactional. I, I agree. But you know what? When we'd be talking, you know what we'd be talking about? Bro, remember that film yeah, we yeah, did remember together? That movie remember we that did one it. festival? Remember that? And, and that's because we love it. But that's what brings us it. together. It's what brings us together. Totally, And man. so, like, yeah, middle east, yeah, maybe it's a little bit transactional, but it's... It's not just that, transactional. That's only one piece of the pie, you know? And um, yeah, it's transactional it's in nature, and but I, it's not just that. There is love and respect yeah. in there, and I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I would say because I, no way. I lo- I'm, no I'm way. creative, and I like being around other creatives, and I like creating with creatives. Oh, dude! Like I, I must say, it, look, if anyone's listening to this and they like, fuck, how do I get access? Surround yourself with people that think like you. Yes. Surround yourself that are like-minded. Surround yourself that are ambitious. And, and and we all get trodden down. Like, we, we don't always win, man. Yeah. And when you lose, it's fucking shit. It's yeah. fucking shit when you lose. I fucking hate losing. But when I win, it, it, it totally overshadows the, mm. the, 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 you know, if I lost eight times and I won twice, those two times are way better than those other eight. Yeah. The, 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 by, by orders of magnitude. And that's what I try to express to people, like, Stick with the podcast. Stick with the stand-up routine. Stick with being in a band. Stick with being an actor. Stick with being a director. Fuck yeah. Stick with being a writer. Fuck yeah. Pursue it. Pursue it. You're not always going to win. You're not going to be the CEO of a company straight away. Enroll people in your ideas. Bring people along for your journey. Understand that the rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. It really does. It really does. And if you're selfless in that way and selfish at the same time, because, like, Pagey Train, it's got my name on it. Yeah. I'm trying to raise my profile, but guess what I'm trying to do at the same time? I'm trying to raise our profiles. It's... Tr- trying to get us out there to make it, people see what we're doing. Grow together. I always say that. Grow together. Fucking oath. And um, it's... Yeah, yeah. The fact we're doing this now, transactional. But you know what happens? We're both going to share this content. Yeah. We're both going to get uh, expose each other to other people's stuff. And um, just maybe to make this a bit full circle, you said before, you were talking about... Um, oh, you know how exposure is kind of like the, the, the dirty word. You never say mm. that. But like, I'll be honest, at the end of the day, like for somebody who's trying to promote a film, 
That's what I want, baby. Yeah, I need the exposure right up. now. In, soak it up, in baby. In the right context, it's important. And if you have a platform and you can provide exposure to people, uh, that is very valuable. She's and not your type. You. Go and check it out. It is fucking hilarious. Thank you. You can find him at uh, Velomat Films on YouTube. Um, absolutely hilarious. It's coming out on the 29th of August. Yep. Um, I'll get some snippets out on this. I'll do the full release of this episode after the fact, but I'll yep. get some snippets out beforehand. But once again, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joss. Oh, yes. man, look, look. let me just say, I didn't do my intro, so let me do the intro at the end. Uh, you have been watching Matthew C. Vella, uh, um, actor, director, uh, writer, comedian. Uh, absolutely awesome dude. Um, you can check him out on Valamat Films, but while you're doing some checking out, don't forget to check out the Pagey Train. Um, you can check out the Pagey Train on Spotify. That's right, video on Spotify. Don't forget to follow while you're there. And if you are checking out us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. You can also, for our avid listeners that are probably doing their drive time commute, you can check us out on iHeartRadio and Apple iTunes. That's right, Apple iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to follow do whatever it needs to do but just comment tick like like us we love you you love us you've been watching the page train and we'll see you next time like it motherfuckers yeah bitches <laughs> man yeah <laughs> fucking four beers down train four beers down, down.